They can't stop looking at the flaccid ween. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Dane DeLorean, Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. So when are we smoking some weed? We're not going to stand idly by and let you burn dirty wood, dude. We need babies. Did you see her breast? I like mine. We're stoned. We're, we're, we're stoned. Stay stoned. Don't tell them we're high. Listen, we may be a little high. I mean, late. Clothing is optional, but pot is not. I love Sir Spencer. Oh, the bowl after bowl guy? Sir Spencer and Dame DeLorean. They have some of the most soothing voices I've ever heard in podcasting. Here to soothe you for another one. It is. Bowl after bowl, baby. Tuesday night. Hope you're feeling all right. On this beautiful May day, the second day of May in 2023. And this here is episode number 243. I'm Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. And I'm Dame DeLorean. And you are hanging out in the bowl. Hopefully having a great time. You're having a great time. It's always a great time in the bowl. That's right. You can hear that. That's the sound of a great time being had right there. That's right. Another astounding pick. Thank you. Another astounding pick to cap off uh, another astounding week. Oh, and what a week it has been. Got into a lot. We got into a lot, a lot, a lot. I actually took some notes this time around. Oh, very nice. Started last night even. Good work. I never get that big of a jump start on the thing, but uh, yeah. So much to talk about. I want to congratulate... Hog story on their 350th episode last night. Tree fitty. That tree fitty. And uh, the boys over at Behind the Schemes for their 150th episode. One fitty. Some simultaneous anniversaries slapping. You gotta love them numbers. Epic. Good digits. Good digits. Good digits, fellas. And, uh... Two fitty right around the corner for us. Yeah, we're coming up on it. Seven episodes away. So sometime in... June, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, sometime in the near future. Counting is tough. <laughs> Who wants to do that shit? Looking at calendars. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been fighting our refrigerator. Oh. Uh, in the garage. Yeah. So you get this frost buildup in the back wall, like in the back behind the freezer section where the coils are. It's an old school fridge. That was my fridge in my house growing up as a child. So it's an early 90s model fridge from GE. And I don't know, I, I guess the defrosting mechanism just must be not working. Because uh, I'll unplug it and let it thaw all the way out and then plug it back in. And uh, as soon as it gets even moderately cold, it also frosts back up. And this blocks the airflow from the freezer where the cold air is actually created into the bottom fridge part where some of the cold air is supposed to be pushed to keep your uh, lovely cans of beer and degenerate uh, energy drinks cold. 
So that's been fun. Yeah, I just turned it completely off to let it... A couple of times. Yeah. And, yeah, takes about, (laughs) I don't know, 36 hours of sitting to thaw all the way out and about eight hours of being plugged into frost back up. Yeah, that stinks. Bad times, man, bad times. So I don't know. I don't know how to troubleshoot the damn thing. I'll figure it out eventually. On my list. You know my list. (laughs) Oh, yeah. To-do list. To-do list. Luckily, everything in there is in an aluminum can, so it's not, like, super vital. Yeah. It's just the drink fridge. That's right. We've got our meat freezer rocking. That's Mm -hmm. all good. And then the upstairs fridge, working fine. You know, it's always nice to have overflow, but what are you going to do besides your best? Jiggle the handle until you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a kick-ass time last week at the old Brucerama. Oh my gosh, what a lovely evening. Yeah, we were looking forward to this for a couple months almost, probably. Yeah. It was weird how it came about, because we, we were on a Bruce Campbell kick, mm-hmm. and we decided to watch Bubba Hotep, and you love that movie. Everyone loves Bubba Hotep. Yeah. And so, <laughs> just after that... I decided to look up uh, Bruce Campbell's website, and lo and behold, he was going on tour for Bruce-a-rama. Who would have known? Which is like um, a last fan standing trivia game hosted by the man himself, mm-hmm. the chin. So I looked up the dates, and he was coming to Kansas City. So of course I grabbed tickets. As one would. And uh, just waited anxiously. And it was last Thursday was the beautiful Uptown Theater. The place is so awesome. Yeah, that place was built in the 20s, right? The Roaring 20s? That sounds right to me. And it's got this Italian Renaissance decoration going on where the theater feels like you're in a courtyard somewhere in Italy, back in time, with all these naked or nearly naked statues and uh, like fake shrubbery. And twinkling stars on the ceiling. It's like you're outside. It's very cool. Yes, it's the type of theater they don't make anymore and haven't for many decades. And never probably will again, unfortunately. Yeah, so it was awesome just to support that place. You said you had your proms there? Both of my proms were there, yes indeed. Epic. Because my prom was at a golf club, (laughs) which was lame. Well, can't win them all. My prom was still lame, it just happened to be in a cool place. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fuck prom yeah prom but yeah so uh we wore our behind the schemes t-shirts it was fitting bowl yeah. after bowl sticker on my jacket yeah and man only the top four contestants got to go up on stage yeah they know. had this uh audience participation trivia game where they had the questions up on a projector and then you had like uh, a short time frame to answer and you had to punch your answer a b c or d to the multiple choice question and then whoever answered the most right the fastest was the uh the big wieners yeah that was the key was getting the answer in quick to mm-hmm. get more points that's right but i am proud to say you and i both were in the top 50 out of a crowd of 700 and something people that's right so yeah. we were no slouches not too shabby we were no slouches but not quite the uh cut yeah, I, I didn't get every question right. There were some randos in there. Yeah, it wasn't all just Bruce Campbell trivia. It was also kind of like general nerd stuff. Yep. Yep. And then <laughs> the four finalists get up on the stage. And 
Bruce is just telling the audience, like, please don't shout out the answers. But the one that was really hard for me not to shout out was when none of them knew the name of Bilbo's sword. Yeah, that one was like, come on, guys. We just looked at each other and just whispered. We're like, sting, sting, sting. And then no one knew. So Bruce was like, all right, audience, go ahead. <laughs> but, and then, yeah, the finalists, they had to choose from like four different categories that had nothing to do with Bruce. It was like SpongeBob, The Office, South Park, or something else. Marvel or some shit. I think that's right. Yeah. Doctors of the Marvel Universe. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, South Park got chosen, based, and The Office. I've never seen The Office, but I knew half of the answers. All the Office answers were way too easy. Yeah, they were. And then Dude Who Won got a uh, box of Evil Dead stuff, which was neat. And the other contestants got Bruce Bucks with his autograph on it. Bruce Bucks, man. Groovy. So then Bruce did a Q&A session. I didn't get to ask him if he accepts Bitcoin into his life. <laughs> it's my one regret. But man, he was wearing the stellar gold jacket. And of course, the draft was in town. Yeah, the NFL draft. Yeah, so things were just crazy all around. <clears throat> but he did some Q&A. He showed Army of Darkness. So now I know Sir Spencer has seen it. Yeah, now you can stop <laughs> They could stop asking me about it. I always asked him because I love that movie. Who doesn't? And uh, quality, a quality film. Yeah, and it was hilarious to watch it on a big screen with a full audience. It was great. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was like seeing a shadow cast of Rocky Horror or something. People are just shouting out the lines, and we're all just laughing at the little skeleton crew and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, it was a good time. But, man, Bruce got in and out of there. I think he was tired. This was one of the last stops on his tour. Yeah, third to the last one. Yeah, and he kept bringing that up. Like, oh, only two more stops. <laughs> it's like, go take you a nap, Bruce. Man is a, is a professional, man. He wasn't going to hang around and uh, take selfies and stuff. Come on. Yeah. Man's got things to do. People, So people were asking him questions about you know injuries on set and whatever. One interesting thing he said that I liked was they asked him about the difference between being a producer and being an actor. And he's like, I'm a producer to protect my acting career. You know, like if you want to do something, produce it, put money into it. Mm -hmm. It's like value for value. Makes uh, sense to me. But then there was uh, there was one audience member that kind of shuddered the whole thing because instead of asking a question... His drunk ass just started telling Bruce how much he idolized him. I don't know if he was drunk or just cripplingly autistic. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, I couldn't see him, but Bruce Bruce was like, okay, dude. And he's like, can I get a selfie with you? And Bruce was like, absolutely not. But here, give this man this $20 bill for some gas money home. <laughs> Passed a $20 bill through the audience, too. It His was pathetic ass. beautiful and cringe. Yeah, beautiful and cringe. That was much of the audience. Yes, no doubt. Yeah, but it was a great time. Great it was. Time. Fun. Fun times were had. Fun times were had. And the kids got to uh, get babysat by Pop, which they're always into. Yeah, that's definitely a fun time for them. Uh, speaking of fun times, we had a fun time with uh, Effortless and Mr. Man last uh, Sunday night. Yeah, that was a wild one. That ended up being pretty, uh, pretty wackadoo. Wackadoo. Pretty wackadoo, my man. I was a time liar on my original post. Ah, uh, yeah. You should have just a, blamed me for it. We had a scheduling conflict. I messed up the date that it was supposed to happen. You posted the toot early because of it. 
It worked out, though. Oh, yeah, it did work out. did work out. Mr. Man, he's a quiet fella. I know the feeling. He's, uh, he's quiet and his rig is not. <laughs> yeah. He pulled over much, uh, much like the episode we did with Sarev Cyber Trucker, where you could hear the uh, rig kind of idling in the background. Yeah. It makes for a certain ambiance, you know? Yeah, and how badass is that to podcast from your rig? It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. But... Uh, I was uh, looking for effortless or disavow Mr. Man as he was known today, and uh, couldn't couldn't find him. He seems to have been removed from the Fediverse. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know, unfortunate timing. He's a he's a controversial man. He stirs up some controversy. So who knows? Who knows what all went down? I don't really have the full story. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You can listen <laughs> to the episode and make your own conclusions. <laughs> I guess. Um, that's all. That's all I got to say about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the subject of good times while we're on it, uh, I got a wedding coming up this weekend. You do? I'm very much looking forward to that. Good friend of mine is uh, getting married, and I'm in the wedding party. I've never been in a wedding party before. I've never done a wedding party. I'd do one. I'd fucking do one, man. You're going to. Gonna do one. It's exciting. Got a suit? Fitted and everything for yeah. it. I'm going to pick up my suit and then do the rehearsal dinner, and then he's doing the bachelor party that night, and then uh, getting married the next day. Ba-boom, ba-bam. So should, yeah. be a, uh, should be a fun time. Yeah, so you'll be out of town this weekend. I will indeed. You'll have the uh, run of the house, you and the kids. Yeah, I'll have the bowl to myself. Yeah. <laughs> the kids are pressuring me to go to Pop's house, though. That sounds right. Yeah. Well, if they can clean that damn room. Yep. That's the uh, agreement. Your room gets cleaned, we can go to Pops. Uh, Last business on my recap, I do want to dedicate tonight's episode to the memory of my most cherished friend, Sam Butterfield, who uh, passed away 10 years ago this week. Uh, It will be the anniversary on uh, the 4th of May, a year and a day after... Uh, he was injured while falling from a fourth-story window at his uh, campus in college. Uh, an accident that left him paralyzed from the waist down and uh, confined to a wheelchair for the short remainder of his life. So I don't really have a lot of things that I can really do, you know, to memorialize him or honor his memory. And so this is kind of like the small thing that I can do. Um I also, I kind of wanted to type something up tonight to read it on the show. Because um, I just have a lot of thoughts about Sam that I've always wanted to get out and get down and just put somewhere to have them, you know? Yeah. And I got to start, uh, I got started on this essay and there's no way I could like read this thing and get through it in the first place. But in yeah. the second place, just uh, I started typing and it's just all started pouring out of me. And uh, I haven't even really got to the middle of my essay, and right now the word count's about 1,300 words. So, I mean, what can I say? I met uh, Sam as a freshman at Mizzou in the journalism school. You you remember the, oh, being yeah. a freshman at Mizzou in the journalism school. And uh, Sam was a Massachusetts native. He was uh, probably, the, I mean, still to this day, the brightest person i've ever met and uh my best friend i've ever had 
he just had this way. He was a true journalist in the classic sense. He had this way about him where he could ask such questions that were just poignant and thoughtful, but also, you know, not, uh, not prying or rude. Just he had a genuine interest in other people and their stories and their backgrounds. And just being around him was enough to make you sharper and, um, I don't know. He had a certain intelligence that was just, it made everyone around him stronger and just the sharpest wit. He was a hilarious guy and uh, a very influential figure in my young adult life. He only was a Mizzou Tiger for that one semester. He was a one semester wonder there. And he has an incredible uh, family legacy, which you would never know just by talking to him and being his friend. Like, Everything I knew about Sam's uh, lineage and, and history and his family's fingerprints on the, the fabric of an American tale, uh, I learned on my own research. Uh, he's, his mother and father were both uh, top-tier elite journalists. Uh, his mother, Elizabeth Marin, worked for the L.A. Times for, oh, I think it was 30 years or something. Uh, she was the... Uh, chief editor, chief correspondent, I want to say uh, the chief er editor or the director of the uh, New England Bureau for the LA Times for almost two decades. And his father was Fox Butterfield, who was a giant over at the New York Times, uh, worked at various bureaus of theirs across the world, including in Saigon and uh, uh, Beijing and Boston, of course, uh, and others. And was actually one of the members of the team at the Times that published the Pentagon Papers in 1971, uh, for which they won a Pulitzer Prize in 1972, the uh, Pulitzer Prize for Public Service that first listed most coveted Pulitzer. So Sam was, uh, right from the jump, born into the elite and uh, destined for greatness just by, uh, just by his birth alone. He's also a direct descendant of uh, the co-founder of American Express, John Warren Butterfield. And uh, that man's son, also his direct descendant, was the composer of the well-known bugle called Taps. That was Brigadier General Daniel Adams Butterfield. Uh, but like I said, you never know that talking to him directly because he didn't really talk about himself often. He wasn't that kind of guy. He was always too busy like asking you what your story was. He was getting to know the people around him. Uh, it's funny because uh, his mother was an alum of uh, UC Berkeley. She got her bachelor's degree in history there and her master's in journalism. And his father was from a long line of proud Harvard grads. Harvard, Harvard, Harvard house as he was growing up. And there was tremendous pressure for him to follow in those footsteps and go to Harvard. And uh, he chose Mizzou of all <laughs> places. Uh, in the middle of the map, in the middle of the state, that one that everybody forgets on the coast, Missouri, my state. And uh, it was only really because of Mizzou's uh, unique positioning as being the world's oldest journalism school and uh, still simply the best, if you read the, uh, if you read the hype, that uh, it was even kind of tolerated. I remember Sam telling me that his father came to him at some point during his uh, senior year of high school, saying, Sam, I don't think it would be the end of the world if you didn't attend Harvard. I'd be perfectly happy if you chose to study at Princeton or Yale. 
And uh, Harvard, Princeton, or Yale were not uh, among his colleges of choice, and he ended up coming to Mizzou, and he didn't fit in at all. He was not prepared for, you know, he saw himself like maybe uh, in a pair of overalls with one of the shoulders unbuckled, bumbling down some dusty road in the back of a pickup truck, sipping moonshine and uh, tipping cows or something, you know, some kind of a romanticized, idealized Midwestern experience. And uh, instead he landed at Mizzou, which was uh, football, football, rah, rah, rah. People say M-I-Z to you and you're supposed to say Z-O-U or else you're like a really humongous social outcast, you know? Yep. He was expecting more Animal House than Full House, I think. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the final straw for Sam was when uh, late one night outside of the newsroom at the student paper where we all uh, had some sort of a role, we were sharing a spliff, as was the tradition, outdoors on this patio across the uh, walkway from the newsroom. And a uh, campus police walked up on us, flashlighted our eyes, and detained us and searched our person. And um, there was four of us, asked all kinds of questions. We just didn't talk much. And uh, they really almost didn't get us because they were breaking open our spliffs and fantastically... Somehow only tobacco was falling out of those spliffs <laughs> until the very last one where there was a little bit of green and they were like, aha, we got you. And uh, only one of the four of us it ended up being his roommate, Sam's roommate, uh, was actually in possession of said weed. So they uh, whisked him away and quickly got uh, permission to search their dorm room while Sam hid under a blanket in my bed in the very adjacent dorm right across the hall from that. Uh, so that was a very stressful time, and Sam really never was the same after that experience. He really didn't understand the police response to four college kids smoking a spliff at one in the morning outside on a college campus. He had grown up in a place where weed wasn't really that big of a deal. Yeah, it was decriminalized in Massachusetts. That's right. And so in a culture where that was just uh, such a big deal and, you know, solicited such a huge police response, I think it shook him pretty bad. And he decided that uh, Mizzou was not the place for him. Uh, he was also, funny enough, the man who introduced me to uh, LSD, the emperor of the psychedelics, LSD. And uh, I'll never forget it. It arrived at the dorms, straight to his dorm room uh, mailbox. And we had to go downstairs in the lobby to check our mail. And uh, one day he gets a greeting card from a friend back east. And uh, I'll never forget that card. In fact, I was able to find a picture of it online, which I'll include in my essay. Uh, You're going on a trip, it said, by train or plane or car or ship. However you go, have a first-class trip. (laughs) That's beautiful. And uh, just a little tin strip of blotter inside. And uh, I had never seen acid. I vaguely was aware of it, hearing, you know, mostly... Cautionary tales and overblown horror stories. But uh, he was excited when he uh, got it. You know, he was like, yeah, we're going to go take a little trip. We're going to go on a journey. You know, I had told him I've never done this, but, you know, I trusted Sam. And uh, he recommended it highly. So I knew it would be a good time for sure. It was Halloween when we actually took the stuff. And went out uh, on the infamous MKT trail there in columbia missouri and uh 
we were chief in bowls before it had really kicked in. Uh, we kind of just, you know, we had just the tiniest little piece of paper square that you put on your tongue and uh, hold it there for a while and, you know, then swallow it eventually. And didn't taste like nothing, didn't feel like nothing. We put it on our tongues in the dorm room and then walked downstairs and out and toward the woods. And uh, we got deep into the woods enough to find our usual little smoking spot by the creek in the woods and uh, just started chiefing a little bowl as was the custom waiting for the thing to kick in and it had definitely not kicked in yet but Columbia also has a uh, really healthy hot air balloon tours company that's always like doing hot air balloon stuff and so we're chiefing this bowl haven't uh, the shit hasn't kicked in at all and uh, this hot air balloon well we first we hear it and then we see it because we're in the woods, right? Just surrounded by trees. So there's not much sky showing. And we just hear this, like we hear the torch igniting and it's getting closer. It sounds like a, I don't know, a fucking dragon is breathing fire <laughs> or something. Uh, we look up and then this hot air balloon just hovers just over the tree line. It couldn't have been like a hundred feet above the trees, just like super close. And, uh, Everybody's just kind of taking it in, and then I go, wow, this shit is really good, <laughs> you know? Because uh, I didn't know what I was doing or what to expect, and it hadn't really kicked in, but boy, like, the uh, the incredible, I don't know, indescribable acid experience for those who've never uh, been there and experienced it, it's, it's really not something that really can be described in words um, succinctly. Many have tried, artfully so, but... Uh, it definitely changed my perspective on many, many things and uh, was something I was very grateful for. I had such a fun time and I took to it so so naturally and easily that uh, Sam was very convinced that I had uh, been on many trips before and that I had just been bullshitting him about never having tried it. Uh, meanwhile, he was still kind of in a weird dark cloud type of situation because the whole weed thing had happened to us maybe three weeks before something like that so uh he definitely had a cloud hanging over him during it but you know he was really good at uh not letting that permeate into other people's experience and uh even at the end he was uh i don't know he kind of kept it close to his chest if you will yeah uh, he moved back home and uh, ended up going from one of the most normie colleges in America to one of the most edgy wild fruitcake colleges, uh, which is Hampshire College in Amherst, Massachusetts, Western Massachusetts. If you, anybody is familiar with the meme uh, Trigglypuff, the <laughs> enormous woman in the problem glasses that uh, starts freaking out at some campus lecture, Trigglypuff. Uh, Google it. You'll know Trigglypuff. Uh, she was a Hampshire student. That's Hampshire College right there. And so he went from one extreme to the other. Sam was always about extremes. And he always lived absolutely out loud and large. And, uh, you know, I was thinking um, of all, if you accumulated all of the time, all of the hours, minutes, and seconds that we had actually spent together in the same space, I don't know if it would add up to more than maybe two months cumulatively, you know, over my lifetime. But uh, regardless of that, he's the best friend I ever had and uh, 
had we had an actual wedding and uh, had he still been around, he would have easily been my, mess, my best man. And uh, I still think of him often. We actually finally, I got to pay my final respects two falls ago. We uh, tracked down his final resting place, which is at the family summer home out in the glades. And uh, they have just a nice little memorial for him set up there with these round beach stones. If you are uh, familiar with the East Coast, then you'll know that some of these shorelines have these beautiful round flat pebbles and there's just like beaches of them. There's like hundreds of thousands of these stones in certain rocky beaches. And so just a few of those kind of in a circle. And uh, we met with uh, the mother of his best friend who was watching over the summer house uh, at the time while his parents were away. And uh, she, she said, yeah, you can take one of those stones. Uh, I'll just grab more from the beach. You know, they're, they're all over the place. So it's a nice, smooth, black, round stone. And I uh, keep it with me all the time and definitely keep memories of him all the time. Um, I, they just were coming to me really strongly starting maybe a month to six weeks back, which, you know, often I think of Sam, but not this intensely and not, uh, I don't know. It's just a, with an overwhelming intensity that I thought, man, something is different. And so I went digging in and, and sure enough, the, the 10 year anniversary of his passing was, uh, upon us. And somehow, even though I didn't really know that consciously, I still knew it subconsciously. So I'm working on this essay and, uh, I wanted to dedicate tonight's show to his memory and, uh, yeah, he lives on in our hearts. Definitely, yeah. The hearts of uh, all of us who were so insanely blessed, so immeasurably lucky to have known him. A good man. I wish, uh, I wish I could introduce my kids to him. He would have been 33 this year as well, just like me. So cheers to you, Sam Butterfield. Cheers, Sam. A large part of why we named our second son Sam. Yes, yes indeed. Yep. I'm grateful I got to meet him. Me too. He came back. To Missouri about a month after I met you. Yeah, yeah, we had a little trip to KC together uh, during that time. That's when you realized I was the one. (laughs) Yeah. But then uh, we all took a trip together, too. That was my first trip. We did indeed. Yeah, it was a a great... uh, I remember one of that... I think it was that night, actually, your first trip. And he came with... uh, He always could get the crispiest, just the best acid around. Kind, you just need one little tiny bit of... And then you just have like the most blissful experience. Um, and again, I don't know how, but just this knack for that magical time between when you take the shit and when it actually takes effect. Uh, we were, <laughs> we started this time in my apartment because I was not living in the dorms any longer, thank God. And uh, we walked down outside the ground level, walking down the sidewalk, and there was a big parking lot right next to my apartment complex. And then there was this dusty-ass car in the parking lot, and somebody had finger-drawn the message, Hi, Sam, with a big smiley face, and uh, in the back window. And it was clearly just, you know, somebody said, Hi, Sam. It wasn't directed at him. Uh, And yet, at the same time, we all knew it was, and just looked at him and was like, Man, this shit kicks in fast. (laughs) Uh, So, cherished, treasured memories. I'm yeah. kind of I'm trying to get them all down because uh he deserves it. Definitely. And I often look at current events 
and just wish that I had him to just to like have be a sounding board. No doubt. And talk about stuff. Cause yeah, I would be fascinated to discuss all of the. Oh, 2016. I mean, he missed the whole Trump wave. He missed uh, the whole COVID nonsense. He missed a lot of like really wild times in American history that he would have really had a lot to say about. Definitely. Yep. Yep. He's missed every day. No doubt. Um, yeah. But anyway, appreciate you bowlers for uh, sharing these times together and sharing our memories of Sam. And uh, sharing with us the value that you receive from the show, we each week sit down and we try to put a good deal of value into it. And, uh, you know, we're part of a, a, a little clan that has found that value for value is a great lifestyle and is a way forward. And we are actually proud to count ourselves among all of the other uh, shows that do it. Uh, not least of which, of course, we're the pioneers uh, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak of No Agenda, who we really got this whole format from in the first place. And yes, we may have brought our own uh, style and flair and um, different thingies to it, you know, our own personal touches. But uh, really, we stand on the shoulders of giants when it comes to this whole model and the implementation of it, especially nowadays on the podcasting 2.0 uh, rails with lightning as the back end. And uh, it just boils down to a really simple concept. Digital content wants to be free. So it is. And you can listen to it and try it out and experience it and decide for yourself. Do you get any value from that? And each week we just remind you to uh, uh, reconsider that. And if you have gotten value, to return that in some form. We're not uh, begging for your money necessarily because there's so many different ways to return value. Uh, but we do like to thank all those who send their treasure right up here in the front section of the show, um, just to kind of give thanks and express bra uh, gratitude because it really is all of you who keep this thing going. You keep the servers paid for and the website hosted and uh, all the different infrastructure, the digital infrastructure that we really need to keep bowl after bowl alive and rolling at you every Tuesday night. And uh, you deserve our thanks, and that's why we give it to you, including... Uh, we did see some things hit the PayPal this week. Uh, that button can be found, by the way, at the bottom page of uh, any site or any page. The bottom of any page. Good Christ. Can I get it out? Bottom of any page over at bowlafterbowl.com. There's a little button. Click to donate. And uh, that's what Kevin S. did. In fact, he set up a recurring donation for $5 a month. And that hit yesterday. We appreciate that very much. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Kevin S. of the... Uh, Mid-coast of California. Keeping it real over there. And uh, we also just got uh, a late slide-in and a happy Token Tuesday, y'all. From Sir Candinavian? That's, that's right. Sir Candinavian coming in. $20. Thank you very much, Thank sir. Thank you. Sir Candinavian. He did leave a note as well. He says, happy Token Tuesday, y'all. Well, uh, happy Token Tuesday to you as well up there in the Great White North. Appreciate you, brother. And that's the PayPal's right there. Uh, we also have these lovely new things called Boostagrams. We mentioned earlier the podcasting 2.0 on Lightning Rails. If you use yourself a modern nude podcast app, uh, then you can send fun little messages in real time. We call them Boostagrams, and you can hear them hit the live show with those uh, bowling pins crashing in the background. 
all you got to do to participate in the fun and the glory is strip off all your clothes and run over to nudepodcastapps.com. Pick you out a good one. Uh, try several. All kinds of different features and different ones. And uh, we'd like to thank all of the folks supporting us from that angle. Starting with Harv Hat, who always boosts the outro every Tuesday. And last Tuesday was no exception. 1420 sats out of Podverse. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you, Harv Hat. Uh, not uh, far behind, the next morning, Mary-Kate Ultra gave us a little wake and boost Ooh. for 8888 out of the Fountain app. And she said, boost late, boost often, boost right after you wake. And this was a, a sister boost to... Yeah, make um, heroisms. Boost early, boost often, boost before you have to go to bed. That's right. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yin and yang. That's right. What a great, uh, what a great pair of folks. Uh, next up, Dame Trail Chicken coming in. 7777. Little jackpot action. Ooh, bark, bark. Thank you. <laughs> and she said... Uh, from the Fountain app. The laws around marijuana and hemp in Virginia are very confusing. That's on purpose. Yes. I have no doubt about that. Uh, Trail Chicken came in again, this time boosting our Bulls with Buds that we had with Mary-Kate Ultra and Make Heroism. That was our fun little uh, 420 episode. Yeah, yeah, episode 240. 240 on 420. It was a magical episode and everything lined up. Still echoing in the boostograms, and uh, Trail Chicken said, "Great show in the bowl." Well, thank you, Dame. Yes, and in the bowl to you. Uh, next up, uh, hundred sats at a fountain from Mika U Foxy, who said, "Hey, new listener to this podcast and a new year's at a fountain. Sending a few sats to share a little love and wealth your way. Hope you enjoy the little puff with a blue heart." Well, that's very sweet of you. Oh, thank thanks, and welcome to the bowl. That's right. Hope you have a grand time. Don't be a stranger. Um, hop on into the chat, by the way. That's a fun little extra bonus that we have going every Tuesday. And uh, also, obviously, when we go live with our Bulls with Buds, you can find a link to that by clicking on Listen Live on uh, bullafterbull.com. But if you're already savvy to IRC, just go over to that uh, irc.zeronode.net server. That's where all the, the uh, great grand no agenda shows have a little chat room. And so if you're already privy to the troll room for no agenda, you can just add our channel bowl after bowl there. Pound bowl after bowl. Pound it. You know you want to. Uh, who's next? We have uh, a number of boosts that came in during the live show with Mr. Man and Effortless, which we did read at that time. Yeah, and, thank uh, you to all the live boosters. Appreciate that. Uh, I did miss this very last outro boost. Uh, Bully Steed hit us at the very end of the episode from Podverse with a little 33-33 action. And she said, MK Ultra Story with a triple asterisk. She was very excited about that. That, that ended the episode with Effortless's little uh, MK Ultra Story. That was a wild tale. Uh, next up, C Brooklyn 112, same numbers, 3333. All right. Same app, Podverse. And uh, he said, Bird Gang Boost. The Bird Gang. <laughs> Thank you. Getting in there. Uh, next up, 8888 sats from Mary Kate Ultra out of Fountain, who said, Nathaniel. I think that's her winner. Yeah. Uh, effortless, if you hear these words, wherever you are, I uh, hope you're doing well. And uh, Mary-Kate Ultra won. She is the first one to say it correctly. So there you go. Uh, also, 3333 at a fountain from Mary-Kate Ultra again. <clears throat> and she said, take this and boost your favorite show. Boost abs, boost abs, boost abs. Referring, of course, to abs and a six-pack. 
which you can find at uh, my favorite URL on the entire internet, shitmyass.com. That's a great one. Type it into your browser right now, shitmyass.com. You won't regret it. Uh, you're in for a great grand time with our boy over there, Sir Seat Sitter. Uh, sir, Sir Seat Sitter to you. 10101 sats coming in from C Dubs, a little binary action. Three hours ago, he's using Boost CLI to send that. Uh, his own little creation there where you can boost from your sovereign uh, lightning node that you run yourself. And uh, he says, boost. And boost he did. Thank you, C Dubs. Thank you. Uh, next up, 4269 from Harv Hat. He likes to boost that right when we go live with that live item. Uh, and send out the pod ping to the world, alerting everyone that we are indeed live on the air, uh, which we do each Tuesday, and he's faithfully there, ready to boost us. That one coming out of Podverse. Thank you, sir. Uh, Fountain up next, Make Heroism, slapped us with a 7777, little jackpot. Appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, No note, just boost. Uh, We got a new player in from Breeze. It's been a while since I saw a Breeze boost, so I'm glad to see them back in action. Uh, 3258 sats from Crunchwrap Supreme. Nice. A man who, or lady, who surely knows how to get his or her munch on. So I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Crunchwrap. And then two minutes ago, you just heard the pins hit, in fact. 10101 sats from Bowley Steed out of Podverse. Bowley. And she sends a Sam boost. Uh, she says, I have questions about ugly fees coming off Lightning Wallet on Moon. Ooh. Interesting. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of wallets, Moon and Blue, that uh, I don't have a lot of firsthand experience with. I've used them both a tiny bit. Uh, but I generally lean on my own node uh, and connect to that when I'm away from my home via, via Zeus over the Tor network. And uh, I have used both Moon and Blue. The The uh, benefit of those two wallets is you can make on-chain and off-chain transactions kind of uh, to and from one another. So f- however they implement it, I'm not exactly sure the technicals behind how it works, but uh, you have that ability to uh, take on-chain Bitcoin and send it to a Lightning um, URL or Lightning invoice and vice versa. You can go lightning to on chain and um i'm not sure about big ugly fees i have experienced that in blue before where there was like just absurd and unexpected fees uh but just in a little bit i'm going to talk about the state of the mempool which is a pretty much hair on fire right now uh. currently um and bully steed uh just clarified in the chat it's about the mempool fees so yeah definitely going to chat about that here uh, in a little bit here in a little bit but uh we thank everybody for hanging out boosting along and uh supporting the show it's the value that uh is returned to us that keeps this thing going tuesday after tuesday bowl after bowl and we thank you very much that's right and if you want to boost you can take off all your clothes and go to nudepodcastapps.com find yourself a funky fresh new podcast app she wasn't wearing anything. Oh, man. Oh, man. Got to be value-enabled, though. But then you can send sats over, and you can sing this little jingle that uh, Hey Citizen made for us. Very funky and fun, just like boosting. I'm going to boost some sats. I've got 40000 in my wallet. 
I'm, I'm, I'm boosting value contribution. This is fucking awesome. It is fucking awesome. And you're a bowler, so you're fucking awesome. That's right. And we'll continue pushing the value for value so hard for the record. The bowl after bowl guys are pushing the value for value so hard. Always. And of course, as Sir Spencer teased earlier, there's other ways to contribute value back to the bowl for any value that you get out of it. You can make some art, because every episode we have new art. You can send jingles, ISOs, news stories, anything you find that might be interesting. You can just say hi in an email to show at bowlafterbowl.com if you want both of us. Or you can leave us a voicemail. All you have to do is answer the first time I ever question that we have week after week. And this week, we want to hear about the first time you ever found a prize in a cereal box. So just pick up your phone and... Call 816-607-3663 And the play of That's right. We don't screen them. We just play them. And if you're voice shy, you can send a text message or a picture. We love pictures. And simpler still, you can just pass the bowl to someone you know will enjoy it. That's right. Baby's first value contribution, passing the bowl. And uh, all that that implies, by the way, you wouldn't pass the bowl to just anybody. Hell, you might get uh, somebody incredibly offended by passing them a bowl if they're not into having a bowl passed to them. So it's always something to keep in mind as you're propagating our particular formula. It's true. And yeah, thanks, bowlers. We love the shit out of you guys. We wouldn't be here without you. Uh, as we wrap this segment up, we always open up another one. We like to call it... Makes you want to build a node, hopefully. And uh, we do want to uh, take a moment and pause and say RIP to Servo's node, which uh, sadly has shut down over this past week. Oh, RIP Servo's node. It was a good run. Um, he kind of was out there on the front end of the uh, CLN node implementation, which he uh, seemed to enjoy a great deal more than the LND stuff. Uh, but in the end, uh, he found it just was not worth necessarily the time, maintenance, and upkeep. Which brings me to, I suppose, an admission I have to make and a caveat that I might put out there to say, uh, who should run a node and why should you run a node? And is it really worth it? Uh, people always ask on the internet, where I spend some of my time, uh, is it profitable to run a lightning node and they just have this P word profitable and they love talking about profitable. Uh, it really depends on how many sats you're willing to put up into channels and what, um, nodes that you're connected to and how much that, uh, routes around kind of your strategies. Uh, but the short answer to that is no, it is incredibly rare to, uh, be able to run a profitable node. You have to have uh, an incredible nut in order to run a profitable node if you are talking about pure lightning fees, uh, pure routing fees. So the whole point of the lightning network is to have 
the ability to send and receive sats uh, incredibly fast, in fact, instantaneous settlement, and uh, have cheap fees. The network will uh, try to find the most efficient route, which also, uh, in many cases, happens to be incredibly cheap. And so, as a result, it is not easy to uh, make a profitable lightning node if you are running solely a node just by lightning fees alone. However, if you are a digital content producer, if you happen to make content uh, like we do, especially offering it up value for value, or if you have an online store or a brick-and-mortar shop, if you're a person who receives payments or receives value and you want to uh, add another way to receive that value that is uh, sovereign and that is under your total control, you're a perfect candidate to run a node. A node becomes instantly profitable overnight if people are sending you money to it for something, whether it be a good or a service, or whether it be for the digital content that you produce, uh, all of that kind of stuff. I have found personally that uh, just on routing fees alone, I am able to, uh, at the very least, break even with my own node operation. And, uh, you know, I have a modest amount of uh, corn deployed to my various lightning channels, but you have to uh, kind of find those nodes that really do send and receive payments. Some good examples or suggestions that I would have include the Podcast Indexes node, uh, the Git Albi node, the uh, nodes of that nature that are always uh, sending and receiving. You can also open a channel to our node. Uh, our nodes, I should say. Yeah, plural. I run uh, my own node, the alias of that, so you can find it on amboss.space, or you can find it on 1ml.com, which are two uh, lightning network explorers that you can search all nodes for. Just punch uh, bowl after bowl in there, all one word. And our two current nodes plus the old dead one, all three of those will usually return results. Uh, the plain bowl after bowl with nothing else uh, in the name, that was our first node that we started on Voltage, which is no longer in existence, but Again, still will return search results. And then the other two, I run bull after bull raspy. That's my raspy blitz. And, and I run bull after bull umbral. That's right. Lorian runs an umbral node, bull after bull dash umbral. And so if you open a channel to either one of those nodes, that's kind of another value proposition. What you're doing is you're uh, locking up a fixed amount of Bitcoin and you are making one on chain transaction. Uh, between your node and uh, the node that you're opening to. And then those, uh, those, those Satoshis in that channel, those little pieces of Bitcoin, uh, kind of become like an open tab with which you or others can uh, send sats through to our node. And you can set a little uh, fee on that too, keep some of those sats as they come through your node, make a little bit of a, uh, a routing fee. The trick is that uh, the higher the fee goes, the less likely you are to route a payment. So you have to kind of find that sweet spot where you're not discouraging flow through your channels, but you are still receiving some uh, sort of forwarding fees. And uh, yeah, we encourage that. That's another way to add value to the bowl without actually directly sending your sats. If you're well-connected on the Lightning Network, then when other people boost through new podcast apps, those payments have to find some sort of a a route on the Lightning Network to those nodes that we run. 
And uh, if you have channels open to us, well, maybe that route will go through you. So another way to not only strengthen the Lightning Network, but add to the fun and add value. Uh, let's discuss this mempool thing, because Bowley Steed brought it up. There's a little bit of chatter, plenty of chatter actually around. We had uh, a previous on-chain, off-chain cocaine shit stain, uh, in which I was really whining pretty hard about how ordinals were fucking up the whole uh, layer one system. And it appeared that they were for quite a while. I have not necessarily seen a lot of the uh, problem transactions like I was back then. What you would see on mempool.space in any given solved block were these huge, chonky transactions with way too high of a virtual size and way too high of a fee. And uh, they would be taking up space that could otherwise be occupied by much smaller sized transactions. And when I talk about the virtual size of a transaction, I'm talking about its size in terms of data, not its size in terms of the amount of Bitcoin being sent. Uh, they often have very little to do with each other, in fact. The amount of Bitcoin is just a number, and that number takes up quite a small piece of space in the whole transaction. The virtual size is often attributable to uh, other witness signatures. If there is a multi-sig uh, transaction, for instance, a multi-sig uh, transaction involves uh, two or of three, usually, is the most common, but X of Y number of possible signatures have to sign in order to validate that transaction. So a multi-sig transaction is meant to be somewhat more secure. Uh, maybe you have a hot wallet on your phone in a phone app, but then you also have a hardware wallet, something like a cold card. Uh, the uh, Bitcoin elitists like to refer to it as a uh, hardware signing device because really it just provides the private key to sign the transaction. And if you're two of three multi-sig, then uh, you have three possible keys and maybe you have one stored somewhere away safe that no one can get to just in the event that you lose one of the other two. Uh, but you have some extra layer of security because if... God forbid one of those keys were to be exposed or compromised, uh, the person that finds that key and uh, pones your ass doesn't actually have the ability to send any of the Bitcoin because they need two, not one, of those private, private keys. Uh, so basically what happens there is it's more secure and it's, it's meant to store a lot of Bitcoin in cold storage. It's protected and it stays there for a long time. It is not meant for smaller transactions, let's say. Uh, and the reason is because the fee or the uh, size of the transaction and thus the fee that you have to pay to send it on the layer one uh, blockchain is much higher than a regular one-of-one one, um, transaction is. So I do see a lot of kind of batched uh, multi-sig transactions going through. I think that's a piece of the puzzle here. Also, we are experiencing a little bit of slower block solves on average. So it looks like currently uh, the difficulty adjustment is projected to go down about 2.24%. And the last adjustment, it went up. It got more difficult by 1.72%. The idea there is that every 10 minutes on average, a block in the Bitcoin blockchain is solved. That is the target time. And so if it takes a, bit, a little bit longer than 10 minutes, like right now the average is 10.2 minutes per solve, 
then uh, Bitcoin's software protocols adjust itself to make those solves a little bit easier for the next uh, approximately two weeks. Every approximately two weeks, these uh, difficulty adjustments happen. And uh, conversely, if the average block time is lower than 10 minutes, if the blocks are being solved too quickly, then Bitcoin adjusts itself to make those blocks harder to solve. And you may have heard of miners out there. Uh, miners are a special type of Bitcoin node that just try to solve a little uh, hash puzzle. Essentially, it's a lottery. It's a random number guessing game. And you have to guess a number um, lower than X. And the smaller that X is, the more difficult it is to randomly guess that number. Uh, because of the hashing mechanism that's used to solve these Bitcoin blocks, the only way to find the correct answer, or the correct nonce as it's called, is to guess. And so every Bitcoin miner plugged in and chugging away is just spinning up guesses to this number until they finally find a match and solve a block. And this process repeats all over, all over, all over, every day, over and over again, 24-7. And you can watch that happening on uh, Blockchain Explorers, kind of like mempool.space. That's usually uh, the one that I check out and click around on. Uh, as for the fee environment... Typically, over the past couple of years that I've been running nodes, uh, with some short intermittent exceptions, transaction fees are uh, maybe 10 sats per virtual byte or less. Oftentimes, overnight goes down to one, uh, and you can get transactions in the next block by paying the minimum one sat per virtual byte. Currently, if you want to get into the next block, you're going to have to pay at least 45 sats per virtual byte. And we've seen blocks with uh, as high of a minimum as 137 sats per virtual byte being the cheapest one that got through 30 minutes ago in a block. Uh, and this has been around a week now. Three hours ago, 140 was the cheapest one in that block. Um, so incredibly high fee rate environment right now. What that means is if you want to send a transaction on the layer one, uh, blockchain of the Bitcoin network, you're going to have to pay a very high fee, relatively, or you will have to wait a longer time. The absolute minimum no priority recommendation for transaction right now is 10 sats per virtual byte. And this is relevant if you run a lightning node, mainly in just opening and closing channels. That's when the layer one stuff happens. That's when your on-chain action takes place. But the nice thing about running a node in these high-fee environments is if you have open channels, then you have on-chain Bitcoin, which becomes the real cocaine in these high-fee environments because that can be easily sent and received over the Lightning Network, which is not beholden to the Layer 1 fees. It is not beholden to the wait time needing to wait for blocks to be solved. It is uh, settled instantly over the second layer on the Bitcoin Network, Lightning and it always astounds me that uh, there's such a huge chunk of Bitcoin users that still are not, uh, or at least don't seem to be aware of the uh, Lightning Network and all of its benefits and how to use it. And I say that it seems that way just, just by observing the blockchain and seeing some of these fees that get through and wondering, okay, why the hell would somebody send, you know, uh, 50,000 sats on a layer one transaction and yeah. have to pay so much money for it. Oof. It's crazy. Now, to 
put things in perspective, <clears throat> a high priority p uh, high priority fee rate right now is ninety three sats per virtual byte, which in your average transaction size, if you're just sending a regular transaction, will cost you about three dollars and seventy one cents worth of Bitcoin. So that just kind of comes down to how much are you sending. Well, if you're paying three dollars and seventy one cents to send ten bucks, that's a bit of a fuck. If you're paying three dollars and seventy one cents to send a, a cool million dollars, that's a completely different story. So, how wrecked the on chain environment is really depends on who you are, what you're trying to accomplish, how much you're trying to send at one given time, etc. That's a big perspective thing. Will this go on? Uh, I don't know. For me as I was trying to kind of click around and um, just just as an armchair quarterback trying to f wrap my mind around what's going on or what could be causing this, uh, I'm really not sure. You'll see things like uh, this big chonky transaction here. It's the biggest virtual size in the upcoming block to be solved. Um, for reference, this will hopefully become block 788034, because our last block solved was 788033. Ding, ding. Just uh, appropriate. Uh, if you look at it, there's a lot of different inputs. There is uh, only two outputs. And the fee for the size of the output is what I would call reasonable. Um, the virtual size is 22.36 kilovirtual uh, kilo bytes. And... There's not a bunch of multi-sig stuff. It doesn't look like, at least at first glance, in a lot of these inputs. Although you do have to dive a little bit deeper to see what's really going on. You have to dive into the address and uh, expand the details. And let's see. Yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of uh, multi-sig necessarily. I'm not seeing a crazy amount of witness data, which would indicate a inscription um, or NFTs on the blockchain. Uh, that fad seems to have really died out. The wind seems to have gone out of those sails. So what's going on? I'm not sure. Maybe some nervous energy, maybe some flight from old services or wallets. Uh, I think this story has yet to be told in terms of what's actually going on. All we can really do is speculate, which is another kind of cool thing about the Bitcoin environment in general. Looking up mempool is like a digital equivalent of checking the weather. You know, there's this certain environment, there's these certain things that are happening that are affecting you, but also beyond your control because it's sort of an aggregate thing going on here it's the overall economy uh but overall tiktok next block it still continues to chug away so we keep our eye close on that but uh hopefully hopefully fees come down in the near future so your boy can manage some channels man i don't want to pay all this i don't pay all these fees for a channel um yeah if, if you have by the way any insight or uh, a note to drop. You can always email me at spencer at bullafterbull.com or leave a voicemail or text it in 816-607-3663. Uh, happy to hear your wild guesses, which uh, likely are just as good as mine. Or boost them. You can always boost them too. <laughs> boost your opinion in a nude podcast app. Uh, my last bit of information here in the shit stain and then I'll kick it over to you. Uh, filed under, I called it, Although I didn't expect it to happen this fast, uh, Fold just announced last week that the SAT stack hack is back, and you once again can use the Fold card to pay your mortgage, pay your credit card, pay your 
all the other bullshit via PayPal, uh, like the previous hack allowed you to do. And um, they wrote a little bit of clarity, uh, some clarifying stuff. In fact, let me see if I can... That seems really fast. ...find the email. Well, I told you that... Uh, they were going to lose a big chunk of change by not having that enabled. They were getting thunderfucked, I guarantee you. I guarantee you well over half of the dollars spent on their prepaid card came from people just like me paying their mortgage and paying their credit card bill uh, with that card. I can tell you when it stopped, my own use of the fold card dropped by probably about 80% in terms of dollars and cents. Yeah. I can't imagine what the finance department looked like <laughs> when the SATS hack turned off. People were fucking hair on fire, I guarantee it. And so I knew that it was a matter of time for them to turn it back on, but I did not expect it this quickly. It was only uh, unavailable for maybe two or three weeks, something like that. Just uh, a long enough window to fuck me out of one month's billing cycles. Oh, I know. That was what irked me. It's like we just paid the bills, and then they're like, guess what? The set stacking hacks are back. Yes. Dang it. Uh... The ultimate stack hack, according to their blog here at foldab.com. What? Spend plus subscribers get 1% back on every bill they pay. That means every time you pay your mortgage, rent, auto loans, student loans, phone, utilities, and just about any other bill you can think of, get 1% back in sats plus a spend for every $10 you spend. So that's the new setup. It's less gambly and more kind of uh, fixed, which um, I don't think really translates in the end to more sats, but it translates to less missed opportunities. I don't open my app and go, oh, fuck, I forgot to get my rewards back, you know? Oh, yeah, that's Instead, I just uh, see that it automatically happened, which is a little bit less stressful and probably more predictable on their side as well as to how they're going to divvy out these uh, cashback rewards. Why did this stop working to begin with? They say it wasn't intentionally done. The full card started being coded as a credit card, which prevented it from being used for bills like mortgages, auto loans, etc., while still working for utilities, phone, and insurance bills. Debit and credit cards have their pros and cons, but because the Fold card is a debit card, you're able to earn rewards in your, on your biggest monthly expenses like mortgages, rent, and car payments. We worked with Visa and PayPal to ensure this stays as one of your favorite stat, uh, sat stacking methods. I bet they fucking were blowing up the phones. Yeah. We also have the potential to integrate a bill pay feature directly into the app as an official partner. So that's what they're looking uh, to do next. So there you go. Mm. Very, very tickled, I'm sure, they were to announce that. And uh, I was happy to see it, frankly, because uh, it is a nice little thing to be able to just stack a little bit of corn on the back end off of the money I already have to give my mortgage and my, uh, you know, utilities and all that shit. Yeah. It's nice to be able to not have to technically spend extra USD on the corn. That's all. Uh, they also announced, by the way, just uh, yesterday... Now instant settlement is here. This is also something that uh, was annoying not to have, and so it's a great relief to get this announcement. Instant settlement Bitcoin. Now you no longer have to wait to withdraw your purchased Bitcoin. So Fold is another place you can actually buy Bitcoin. You can buy it directly off of the money preloaded onto your Fold prepaid uh, Visa card. And uh, yeah, Withdrawals will generally appear on chain no later than 12 Eastern of the next business day, usually sooner. It used to take like a fucking week 
if you bought Bitcoin on there to uh, finally be able to pull it out of there. Oof. And I know they were working on that for a while. And so I kind of tried it recently, as recently as like a week or two ago. And it still took fucking ages. So mm-hmm. I was like, I really don't like this experience. And Strike, you can pull it out right away, right when you buy it. Yeah. And so anytime I'm feeling really froggy, I usually use that. Uh, but now Fold, Instant Settlement. And uh, Instant Settlement means that you can request the withdrawal immediately. And then the withdrawals will be processed uh, on a daily basis. And they have to make an on-chain transaction to do that. So that's the part that waits. But you can at least hit the withdraw button and request the withdrawal right immediately as soon as you buy it. Nice. And that's fantastic. I uh, haven't actually given this out, but if you're interested in uh, checking out the Fold card or trying it out, um, it is a product that, I don't know, I'd give it an 80% endorsement. There are things that are annoying with it. Uh, If you are allergic to KYC, I recommend you stay away from it because... uh, I'm uh, I'm sure that that Bitcoin is known where it comes from and where it goes. So if you are uh, a privacy guy and you value that above all else, I would recommend not buying from any exchange and not using a fold card and etc. Uh, but if uh, if you're if you're down to clown, I'll have a referral link uh, if you're interested in the show notes. I'm not gonna like read it out on air, but uh, you can go find that once we post the episode. And you can try it out. We will, I think, both uh, benefit if you sign up under my referral link or whatever it is. I don't know. I've never tried it yet. I've never given it out. But I've been using this thing for almost two years. And uh, overall, it's a positive experience. There are some things that are annoying. There are some things that aren't ideal. But overall, as a mainstream Bitcoin product, uh, there's more good than bad going on with my Fold card, which is why I still use it. And yeah, it's nice to end the shit stain on some happy news, isn't it? Yeah, well, I have one last piece of cocaine All for right. the shit yeah. Which is just a gentle reminder that the Kansas City Bitcoin block party is going down June 24th. That's a good point. Uh, and It's free to be a vendor. Like, it, it is. Where else can you be a vendor at no cost to you? You're just going to make profit. And if you don't sell anything, at least you didn't, you know, spend money. To be there and waste your time. But it's never a waste of time because you get to meet awesome people. That's right. Uh, I am also remiss to not bring up the KC Bitcoiners. If you want to uh, join us at an upcoming meetup, you can find them all on meetup.com if you search for Kansas City Bitcoin Meetup Group. Or there's links to that from their site, kcbitcoiners.com. The next one's going to be bright and early on Friday, 730 in the morning. Casey Bitcoiners, Bitcoin and Coffee. Because uh, of my work schedule, I won't be able to make that one. They had one earlier tonight at the bar uh, in Mission. And because your work schedule doesn't make that one. Still in doubles, <laughs> so I didn't make that as well. But uh, I hope to attend on May 18th, that's a Thursday, for the beers with Bitcoiners at Chicken and Pickle, which are uh, have been pretty well attended as of late, so... So it's always a fun time. Check it out and uh, come meet some Bitcoiners here in KC. Chicken and pickle, a good family spot? Yes, I would say so. There's a bunch of pickle co- ball courts outside. You don't see a lot of kids there, but it wouldn't be weird. Nice. I don't think it would be weird. It is definitely like a uh, uh, hipster trendy bar f- uh, 
bar and grill type scenario, you know, feel in there. But their food, uh, they have high quality food. Nice. Do people bring their dogs there? Do they have like a doggy patio? Uh, probably. I didn't notice any dogs when I was there, but there was just so many goddamn people. There there probably was a couple of dogs. Topping. I would say, though, more likely people go to Bar KC with their, their dogs because it's not that far away. And it is a, a actual dog bar oh. that's more designed for that. Wow, dog bar. Yeah. Bar, Let me take you to a dog bar. Bar KC. So you got the bark. bar, you got bark, you got KC. It's like a, there's a lot going on there. Clever name. Interesting. I've never been there, but I've read about it. Oh, you got three dogs. You ought to check it out. I don't drink with my dogs. <laughs> I used to back when uh, that was convenient to do. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that wraps my segment. I appreciate you uh, adding a little bump there at the end. That was nice. Yeah, you, got you're me going. welcome. Uh, now it's time for Top 333. All right. Crazy headline caught my eye. Uh-oh. Yesterday, in fact. And that was that a New York Police Department detective died after spending 33 years in a coma after a shooting. Or after being shot, I should say. He was shot in 1990. So he's been in a coma longer than you and I have been alive. That's crazy. Well, what what day in 1990? Well, January 1990. I think it was yep. like the 26th or something. That predates um, me. Yeah, he was 27 years old when he was shot in the head while washing his car. Oh, my God. Um, three teenagers came up on him and wanted to rob him of $20 so that they could play in their local basketball tournament, I guess, is as the story goes. And he didn't die when he got shot in the head. He just was in a coma. And his son was five at the time. So he's grown up his whole life with dad in a coma, and now he's finally laid to rest. Uh, the son said in these stories that he would kind of react to family's voices when they were around with, you know, smiles and chuckles and laughter, but... <sighs> it's tough. The thought of spending 33 years in a coma is very freaky to me. That's, that's a lifetime. Yeah, it is, definitely. It's crazy. It's not like you know... Um, but yeah, let's I, just say if I was in a coma in Minecraft, I would hope that someone who loves me dearly would just shoot me in the head again <laughs> instead of me like living yeah. on tubes and stuff. Let's say asleep. maybe my max of that is one of each of the seasons. And if it's been a whole year, then let's like, get, let's say we're done, but yeah. I don't know. That's just me on the outside looking in saying, fuck that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's horrible. You know what's not horrible? We did get a boost from Hate Citizen 6969. <gasps> hey, Citizen! 6969, dude! That's out of Podverse, and he just said, hey, sup, guys. Oh, sup, hey, Citizen. Cheers, brother. Another 33 in the news. Cope Thunder exercise is back in Philippines after 33 years. I guess they revived this uh, little exercise plan to combat China's growing military. Sounds like all bad news. <laughs> and this is going on right now. It started on May 1st, and they're going for 12 days. It'll be done May 12th. 
I thought I thought Cope Thunder was a very strange name, but there's no real explanation to why it's called that. That's interesting. I thought Cape Thunder would have made sense. You know, like, oh, we're going to Cape Thunder. There used to be uh, Cope courses in the Scouts. No. Oh. So I associate it with the Scouts. Uh, it's like a rope course. And uh, COPE stands for Challenging Outdoor Personal Experience in the Boy Scouts. So I don't know if it's something similar or not. I don't know. This is COPE Thunder, and uh, these are pilots, you know, with the uh, Philippine Air Force, just practicing their tactics. Interesting. So the drill started yesterday, the same day that the Philippine president, Ferdinand Bongbong Marcus Jr., Bong Bong. Yeah, that's his little uh, nickname. It's a great name. Bong Bong. Double the bong. Hit it. Wow, didn't even cough. That's amazing. Bong yep. Bong. It was a ghost hit. <coughs> oh, shit. Oh, there it is. Oh, oh, shit. Well, Bong Bong met with the dusty man from our White House, Biden, yesterday. So, you know, Cope Thunder exercise and that meeting kind of coincided. Bong Bong met with Ding Ding. <laughs> exactly. Bing Bong. <laughs> so in less than a year, America and the Philippines have agreed to expand our American basing over there to four new sites. Hot damn. And, uh, you know, it kind of projects the American power onto nearby Taiwan, I think is what's going down here. I see. So, mm, moves. Making moves. Some flexing going on. At least 18 people are dead and 33 injured after a bus plunged off a cliff in Mexico. Holy shit. Now, this reminded me of a... 33 story I had before where a bus drove off a cliff in Mexico and 33 people were injured. They were migrants. But in this case, the bus was carrying tourists on a 220-kilometer trip from Guadalajara to Guayabitos, and all of the passengers were Mexican nationals. Now, there's no known cause of the accident yet. Damn. Sounds like a bad time. So how you get around in Mexico? You can't take the bus. Sure can't hitchhike. You just don't take the bus for sure. Yeah. Pretty soon we'll see 33 buses crashing off cliffs in Mexico at this rate. Because <laughs> that other one was, I think, this year. Yeah, so. Maybe it's part of their culture. Maybe oh. we're being insensitive. <laughs> Sacrifices must be made. That was insensitive. <laughs> um, horrible story. A Kentucky mother was sentenced to 33 years in prison after her two-year-old son died from ingesting fentanyl. Ah, Jesus. Yeah. She's a double first name character. Lauren Ashley Baker. And it was confusing because some articles called her Ashley and some articles called her Lauren. Mm. And only in the local news was I able to connect it together. Oh, she has two first names. So some journalists are getting it twisted and thinking that her middle name is her first name. Interesting. Unless they know her personally and she chose to go by her middle name. But anyway, uh, it was a horrible story where the boy's father came home and she was passed out in the chair 
nodded off, I guess, and the sun was already gone in her lap from just dipping into her drugs while she was passing out. And she was 35. And she told detectives that she bought, she spent her whole stimulus check on fentanyl and was sharing it and selling it. Good googly moogly. So, yeah, the police report said that when they came in, it was all over the place and there was Narcan that had uh, been attempted to be administered. So it sounds like a mess. Goddamn awful. Yeah. Tragic. And this is the Kentucky County's first murder conviction for an overdose death. So it's tragically historic also. but That's messed up. It is messed up. I mean, the punishment of losing your own child already at your own negligence and lack of responsibility and then stack 33 years on top of that in prison. It's horrible. It's very sad. I don't like reading stories like that. But I have a final top three 33 story to pick us all back up because couldn't end on that note. Thank you. Crashing buses, children dying. The Minnesota Senate voted 34 to 33 to legalize recreational weed. Nice. Got that 33 in there. Rock on. Smoke on. Hilariously, all of the Democrats voted yes, and all of the Republicans voted no. It's so silly. It's very silly. So, um... There are so many great uh, conservative arguments to the uh, repeal of prohibition. It's not even funny. Especially when you talk about freedom and uh, harm reduction and uh, fair market enterprise and... Yeah, keeping it away from children. Shortening the government's uh, overreach. All the things that uh, the Republican Party claims to be for uh, until it comes up with uh, with weed, LMAO. Really? Well, Not that the Democrats are any angels about it either. Yeah, all these politicians, they're all just a bunch of sluts for authority. It's true. But... Uh, the Uniparty. Mm-hmm. So here, uh, there were... Several differences between the Senate bill and the companion version that passed in the House. So there will be a House-Senate conference committee convening. They just appointed the members of it today. And that committee will have to reconcile the differences between the House bill and the Senate bill. And then the House and Senate will both need to pass this updated language bill. And then it'll go to the governor's desk. I usually don't report on uh, weed bills. Until they make it to the governor's desks. Just because there's so much, you know, when they're changing things around and whatever, who wants to read 50 different versions of a bill, you know? Just give me the final one. I'll break it down for you. Word. Not to mention, both versions of this bill, the House and the Senate versions, were over 300 pages long. I did skim them, though. I looked for the things that were important to me. Like expungement, which was written in. And homegrown which was also in there, uh, up to eight plants. And that seemed the same in both versions, which is very cool, you know? I mean, it should be unlimited, but we'll take what we can get. Yeah. Baby steps. That's right, we call it. It's a step in the right direction after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. A step in the right direction. Now, some big differences here is that the Senate bill 
would allow folks to possess five pounds of flour at home. But only two of those pounds can be from sources other than home grow, which is kind of silly. Like, who cares where the weed came from? The government, I guess. You know, just another reason to fine you. Of course. But then the House bill limits possession to one and a half pounds, no matter the source. So five pounds sounds better. Yes. Should be no limit on what you can have. They don't have a limit on how much alcohol I can keep in my house. You know? Why Why are you going to tell people you can't stash You just got to control shit. They can't let it go. They can't Seriously. let it go. They can't just repeal prohibition. Another difference was that the Senate tax rate was 10% and the House tax rate was 8%. Both kind of high. Mm-hmm. But, you know, root for the lower one. Hope that the... The committee is like, you know, let's just slide like 5% in there. That would be cool. We did get a uh, quote from the taxes. Wow. I am really high. (laughs) Really high. But not the worst we've seen. That's for sure. True. Um, Social equity plays a part in here with, you know, the first dispensaries to open would be those that are social equity applicants that got the highest score for being the most oppressed. Oh, and then uh, there's a ban on vertical integration. I feel bad mocking social equity because it's just one of those things where the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, yeah. people have been incredibly wronged mm-hmm. by the war on drugs. Without a doubt. But when I have a postcard sitting on my desk that's like, oh, were you convicted of a cannabis offense? You can have a dispensary at no cost to you. They're just, you know... The big fish are still finding ways to play the social equity game. Yeah. It's not available for everyone. They're mailing out to try and find uh, straw licensees they can apply through. Exactly. And you're kind of the front man for their operation. Yeah, the amount of like liquid assets and stuff you need to have to get a license is ridiculous. But anyway, we'll see where that goes. Um, as we pass behind the curtains... Oh, yeah, as we pass by the curtains. The good Rev Cyber Trucker sent me um, a little filibuster that one of the Minnesota House representatives, a Republican by the name of Nolan West, was getting on about, and I clipped a little bit of it because it was just so good. So good. You know, it was great. We had this long discussion, and now we are finally coming down to a vote. But everybody should know there's a very good reason marijuana is illegal. Last year, it killed 480,000 people. <laughs> what? Four, oh, no, never mind, that's tobacco. Sorry. Oh. All right. 140,000. Marijuana killed 140,000 people last year. Oh. Alcohol. Sorry. Sorry. Got my numbers mixed up here. Oh, oh, 500. It's got to be 500. This is a dangerous illegal substance. We must ban it. We cannot let it be legal. 500 people died. Oh, that's Tylenol. (laughs) Any death where marijuana is involved, there's always something else. There's always something else. Because you cannot die from THC alone. Good point, my man. Yeah. Simple as. I felt the Tylenol thing coming. As soon as you had 500, I was like, I bet it's Tylenol. Yeah, see, I wasn't sure what that one was going to be, but I'm like, ooh, this is going to be something kind of benign that probably everyone has in their house. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nailed it. Uh, By the way, as we're back here, the uh, 
flavor of the night is going to be a spliff. Again, just keeping in the honor of uh, Sam traditions. Oh, very nice. He was a spliff man. I never even knew what the hell a spliff was till I met him. And I didn't know what the hell a spliff was until I met you. There you you go. passed the tradition on to me. Yeah. First time we smoked together. It's not my favorite method, but there's something uh, to be said about it. There's something a little nostalgic about it, and uh, it is definitely a different effect. I got to tell you something. Spliffs are perfect on a cold New England night. No doubt about that. That's like the time and place for spliffs. Also, speaking of nostalgia, we're ramping it in a Juicy J. You remember these fucking things? Oh, yeah. I saw them at the Independence Mall, and I was like, Juicy J's, I'll be goddamned. I thought they were illegal. And now as I sit here closer, uh, uh, more closely reading the package on these papers, because Juicy J's, for those of you who don't know, they're flavored papers, and they have all kinds of different flavors like coconut and orange and peach and... Peaches and cream. All kinds of shit. Peaches and cream, no doubt. They banned them when they uh, banned all flavored tobacco products. Well, I take a look here and in big red uh, warning, not for use with or sold for use with tobacco, <laughs> which used to be what you sold them for, right? You, yeah. You say, if oh, you worked in a head shop. No, 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 not weed. They're for tobacco, like, just like this water pipe is. Exactly. Water um, pipes. Not, you, not for use with or sold for use with tobacco, only for use with smoke, legal smoking herbs. So that's how they uh, jump it around. And then the back, it says this product is absolutely only to be used with legal non-tobacco smoking herbs such as passionflower or sage. Uh, So, yeah, fuck you. I put tobacco in it. (laughs) (laughs) And also, how crazy is that? You can buy weed and papers at a mall. What a time to be alive. What a time. We're, I mean, we're, uh, we're in blessed fairness, to have them all. In fairness, you could always buy weed at the mall, well, just not, you know, you'd have to go out in the parking lot. And be quick. Yeah. Malls are kind of high security places, my man. Well, maybe on just on the East Coast. They had patrol cars all the time, you know, like the Securetron guys. <laughs> uh, the mall is a sketchy place. Just get them in a foot chase and you're good to go. <laughs> yes, fair enough. Throw donuts. <laughs> They'll never catch me now. Yeah. Ooh, boost rolling in. Uh, 44-444, you dirty whore. From Fletcher. Oh, thanks, Fletcher. Uh, He's boosting us out of Fountain, and he says, what if we put a prohibition on prohibition? I like that idea. Wow, man. That's the only thing that should be prohibited. Yo. It's prohibiting. He also sings a link. Or sends a link. Sings a link. They want the weed. They want the weed. They want the weed. Well, they're going to get the weed. That's right, because we are behind the curtain. I pulled um, an ISO out of Representative West's little filibuster there that I'd like to play for you. And then there was an obvious ISO that came out of this uh, contextual ISO. (laughs) Okay. It's the boomers who then feel comfortable to go, ah, you know, I did this when I was a teenager. I'll go ahead and try it today. He went on to say, boomers should definitely smoke joints over getting a glass of scotch. Hmm. It depends on what the scotch is <laughs> and what the joint is. He but was sure, yeah. He was really on the weed is safer than alcohol train. Yeah. All things equal, I'm down with that. I'm down with that statement. Yeah. Why not both the... Semi-obvious ISO here. It's the boomers. It is the boomers, no doubt. Oh, the Dusty Man got to work this week. He commuted 31 sentences. Oh, so close, Dusty Man. 
He stopped too early. I know. I couldn't believe it. He didn't want to make the headlines with this. So I was like, well, I wonder how many of these sentences had to do with weed. And the answer is four. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the first was an Indiana man who got caught up selling 100 kilos of pot, got 10 years in prison with an eight-year term of supervised release, and that sentence was commuted to expire on June 30th of 2023 with the remainder to be served in home confinement, leaving intact and in effect the eight-year term of supervised release. That's the case for all four of these. They'll be commuted to expire on June 30th and then have to serve out their supervised release. The next was a Florida man who uh, was charged with selling 194 kilos of pot. Got a nine-year sentence. Then a Michigan man selling less than 1,000 kilos of pot. I love that we're going by the kilos here. Kilos of weed. He had 30 years in prison. And finally, an Iowa man with methamphetamines and pot charges for, you know, trafficking, but no uh, amount stated. He was sentenced to life imprisonment. Jeez. Yeah. And then that eventually got amended to 20 years. But now, commuted to expire June 30th. The U.S. Secret Service updated its employment policy this week. And it seems to be in an attempt to kind of accommodate pot. The previous rules were based on age. So if you were 24 or younger, you couldn't apply to be a Secret Service agent until at least a year had passed since you last used weed. But if you were 28 and older, you had to wait till five years passed since your last run-in with uh, the devil's lettuce. So now, everyone is eligible to become a Secret Service spook after just one year since your last weed usage or purchase. Not that any of the bowlers want to work for the Secret Service, but, you know, it was an interesting change. Interesting change. They also put in here a little ditty about, oh, if you ever grew or sold weed for personal or recreational use, not for income or profit, though, no drug dealers allowed. You just grew a little plant medicine for yourself. You got to wait 10 years before you apply to be a Secret Service spook. And then they added uh, a section on CBD and hemp seed. Hemp seed, which you can buy at the grocery store, you know, like hemp seeds, little packages of them, heart healthy food, so I'm told, based on the little stamp on the front of it. Well, if you have used CBD or hemp seed, (laughs) that's a case-by-case basis and should wait a year before you apply. So silly. Absolutely silly. Of course, you got to pee in a cup to uh, get the gerb anyways. So the ATF also updated its employment policies this week, Um, but you're automatically disqualified if you've ever sold or transported weed for profit Mm. um, without state or local legal authorization. And What if you went broke as fuck? Just asking for people out there. (laughs) If you went broke as fuck? Yeah, instead of making a profit. Right, yeah. I don't know, maybe a case could be made. (laughs) But I wouldn't even bother trying with the ATF. (laughs) Fuck that. Uh, Um, It was a joke. 
using state legal weed isn't an automatic disqualification, but the way that they worded that makes it sound like it probably is. Sure. <laughs> like, well, you won't automatically be, be disqualified. We're just going to, you know, look mm. at you distastefully. You're just going to be not qualified, that's all. Yeah, exactly. You won't be disqualified, you just be not qualified. Yeah, and, uh, you know, before they didn't have a weed section, it just said that an applicant's past drug activities would be determined on a case-by-case basis as to disqualification. Now they're being uh, quite transparent about the weed thing. We don't want weed. You know, once you're in here, you definitely can't use weed. Right. So I caught Trump talking about weed again this week. Uh-oh. Yeah, just a little ditty. He was uh, a bit looser this time, more off script. And this was on Newsmax's Greg Kelly show. Okay. So I was on the subway the other day, and somebody was smoking marijuana on the train. We all know about fentanyl, yeah, yeah. but marijuana, almost overnight, half the country seems to be smoking it. You're a team. I got to pause it there. Overnight, over half the country seems to be smoking uh, marijuana. I will say there is an appearance of that. I think that it's reasonable that there is an appearance of that. However... In New York City specifically. In New York City specifically. However, over... Half of the high school seniors had tried weed when I was in high school. So this Mm -hmm. is nothing new. Half of the people have at least tried it when they were a kid type of shit. Definitely. And what is prominent now is you'll smell it way more places. It happened here. Yes. You will catch whiffs of the loud in way more places. It makes you raise your eyebrows at first. You're like, whoa, somebody getting down like quite near here. Yeah. Pass that blunt. Which to me is always like, you know. Oh, nice. In- interesting. That smells good, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I understand some people can't stand the smell, but uh, it's other way more offensive smells in the city that just happen as part of the city. People yeah. are just a little more confident to uh, smoke wherever now well, I was because say, of legalization, which, duh, it makes sense. If yeah, he's going know. off of actual statistics saying there's been a big jump, well, once something is considered legalized, people are way more open to talking about it and being honest about their usage of it. This is also true. I think that probably the stricter prohibition gets the uh, lower the self-reporting of use gets, too. Definitely. But, you know, it's still federally illegal, so... Correct. Correct. All right, let me uh, continue this. We didn't even get to Trump yet. Half the country seems to be smoking it. You're a teetotaler. Never drank. What do you think that's doing overall to our competitiveness, to our, to our psyche as well, a country? Well, I mean, you see the same studies. Uh, it's not helping people. I mean, studies are saying that it does damage. It does uh, significant damage. And uh, it's yet, from a voting standpoint, it's a pretty popular thing. Uh, Canada has gone all that way, and other countries have gone all that way. Some countries won't do it. But I, you're going to take a look at some final results. But uh, indications are that it's not exactly helpful. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, fuck, maybe. For, some, for a chunk of people, maybe there's not going to get anything good out of weed. Maybe there's a chunk of people that get more bad than good out of weed. I think there's plenty of them out there. Yeah. I've met some who've told me they are like that. Oh, I couldn't smoke weed anymore. X reason, Y reason. It made me paranoid. Uh, it didn't vibe with me. Whatever. Yeah. I couldn't function. I got fat. <laughs> Very reasonable. Very reasonable. But just like all things, I think it breaks down into like thirds. Sure. Some people are great 
with weed. Some people... It helps them. And I've met these people, too, and I've met plenty of them from all over the country. There are some people who need weed in order to live a normal, um, productive, healthy life. To have quality of life, even. To have a quality of life. To have no pain in things like bone tumors that they've had for their whole life. Uh, To cure cancerous lesions on their skin and arms. Met all kinds of people. Uh, MS patients to be able to to be able to uh, get off of their chair and onto the shitter by themselves. They can do it when they smoke weed every day. They can't do it when they stop smoking weed. Like there are plenty of people out there like that. Also, it's not a one or a ten. Everybody's in a different scenario. But in the land of a free, you should be able to decide for yourself what goes into your body and how you're going to overcome your own ailments or setbacks or whatever that you happen to be going through. Yeah. And it's funny because he asked about like our competitiveness. If America wanted to be competitive, man would be exporting the weed. Mm-hmm. You know, come on. Well, it's a cash crop. I think we all know where our competitive competitiveness is right now. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with weed. I know, but, I know. uh, you know, one, one man's opinion. And then, you know, of course, Trump's like, look at the studies. And I say, man, fuck your studies. Yeah. I can point you to plenty of studies that show weed helps. Man, f- them studies. And you can point me to plenty of studies that show weed doesn't help. And it all just depends on who paid for the study. Yeah, well, and every individual ought to be able to learn for and try out and decide for themselves what those things are. Informed consent with input from personal research or their physician or a combination, you know, family, friends, stories, anecdotes. I mean, when it comes to all kinds of different substances, you can research them. Don't, don't do any drug without looking it up on heroin. Don't do any drug without watching somebody else try it first. Yeah, those are great suggestions. <laughs> like, figure it out. You can find the difference between uh, good and bad, helpful, and not helpful. And uh, if we let more people do that in fact made it so that you pretty much have to do that to get by we would be a stronger society for it we you know we'd be at a way higher we'd be vibrating at a way higher level man than we are right now I tell you that yeah i th- i trust we'll get there i trust we'll get there i agree speaking of stories and anecdotes and such california announced a 20 million dollar cannabis research grant and the Ooh. recipients were Handed out in you know, 16 academic institutions. Not so exciting, you know, mm-hmm. higher education, <laughs> but perhaps not enlightened. And they're going to be carrying out studies into weed things like novel cannabinoids, like Delta 8 THC, of course, is under fire. So that's one of the hot ones they want looked into. But something I thought was really interesting is that a Humboldt school is going to be researching the genetics of legacy strains from California. And I thought that was great because California is a hell of a seed bank for weed. This is nothing but true. I mean, thanks, California. Thanks, Emerald Triangle. You guys fucking rock. Kept it locked down for decades, man. And good luck getting the stories and, you know, tracing it back to all the granddaddies and such. Right. It's exciting. I thought that's, that was really cool. That seems like fun research. Yeah. I'm interested to see uh, when that comes out, what they find. Now, unfortunately, 
A U.S. long jumper found that her positive weed test when she peed positive for THC cost her a national title this past week. She also had to serve a one-month suspension. This was Tara Davis Woodhull, 23 years old, who had a national indoor title stripped after the stupid drug test. Because as we saw last or two years ago in 2021... Uh, with Shikari Richardson, who was the 100-meter winner going after the Olympics. Uh, she had her title stripped when she peed positive, too. And uh, the, you know, World Doping Agency is just really anti-weed. They're not moving on it. THC can't be in your PP <laughs> if you want to compete. So uh, Tara here finished sixth at the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. So I also read that one month, the one month suspension is the lowest punishment that you can get. And you have to prove that you've completed an, a treatment program, you know, that the agency has given the thumbs up to. And that just is so irksome. Treatment program for weed. So, hey, you know, basketball players, that's cool. You can smoke up, toke up, whatever. Baseball, whatever, we'll advertise CBD. You want to be an Olympian, you got to stay away from the weed. Makes you mad. Yeah. How uh, long How long will this go on? Can't be much longer, right? We're at the, like, dying breaths of the shit. I don't know, man. There's such a, there's a strong heartbeat to the reefer madness. <sighs> Just let it go. Just let it go. Yeah. It's okay. Just let it go. 2033. 2033 will be a good year. A century is long enough, my man. For real. Drop the war. Too long. Cease fire. Peace, peace. Imagine this. You get caught, get charged with a misdemeanor DUI, a little drunk driving at the age of 21. Oh, boy. Hmm. And you're going on probation. Then the judge starts asking you about your medical weed card Hmm. because you're a card-carrying medical patient. This is in Florida. Yeah. Woman came up against a judge by the name of Dorothy Vaccaro who decided that At her age of 21, she probably wasn't suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder or cancer. Wow. Two of the listed reasons for having a medical card. Seems a bit racist. Described to you. And when the girl informed the judge, well, I use it to calm my anxiety. A doctor prescribed it to me. The judge told her that anxiety isn't a sufficient reason to use weed. Hmm. And that the woman should instead consider Xanax. A drug that many, including myself, consider more powerful than weed and with (laughs) widely known side effects. For example, don't mix Xanax with alcohol. (laughs) Definitely not. You know? I thought it was strange she's not telling the girl, you know, maybe you should stay away from alcohol on your probation from this DUI. Xannies are very bad news, and to suggest to someone who had a DUI, a DUI for alcohol to take zannies over weed is borderline criminal criminally negligent dude yeah in what other prescription would you tell someone like hey you're going on probation so you can't take your medicine anymore okay i think that the girl should sue this judge it's a little bit nuts it's crazy a doctor prescribes things not judges Mm. it makes me think wow how far into her pockets is big pharma you know is she somehow getting a paycheck? I don't know. For prescribing Xanax? Maybe she's just a 
big fan. Yeah. And, you know, the judge pointed out, well, weed is federally illegal. And you know what? Federal law shouldn't really make a difference in county court, should it? Got medical in Florida. So, and also, I, I didn't like how she's like, oh, you're 21. You probably don't have PTSD or cancer. That's an assumption. And that's a dangerous assumption to make. And if you're willing to make that assumption, judge, what else have you been assuming? That's not what I want to see in a judge. You know? Uncomfortable. Felt felt uncomfortable for this girl. And I hope she doesn't go through with it. I think that she should fight back somehow because it's gross. Well, I don't know if you can sue judge, but uh, you could maybe like file for a recusal or some different thing or appeal or object. But, you know, uh, a judge has enormous influence over any given case under him. Yes. So... But don't use your medicine. Use the medicine I suggest That's to you. very poor judgment. Yeah. yeah. And that should result in some kind of, I don't know. Some kind of punishment, you, at least. What do you gotta like, do? Re-elect judges? Yeah. Some kind of a loss of election? I don't know. Remember, remember. <sighs> it's such an imperfect system, man. Like, we're all people. <sighs> judges need discretion, but if they lack poor, you know, if they lack good judgment, then shouldn't be able to judge. Yeah, exactly. Only the goodest judgment from only the goodest judges, please. Yeah. I just think that's crossing a line, telling someone who had a medicine prescribed to them by a doctor that they shouldn't take that prescription. Yeah. And that they should take another one. Weed over Zanny's, or suggesting I should say Zanny's over weed to a likely alcoholic young individual. No, it's not the move. It's a bad move. Exactly. Well, last Tuesday, as predicted, ex-Michigan House Speaker Rick Johnson pled guilty in his public corruption scandal. The 70-year-old was the chairman of the state's medical marijuana licensing board, and he is now charged with accepting $110,200 in cash and benefits during his time as the chairman. So he's facing a max sentence of 10 years in prison, and up to a $250,000 fine on top of the forfeiture of that $110,000 bribe. There were also three other men who have been charged in the probe, and they all took plea agreements, so prosecutors have agreed not to oppose any motions to request sentence reductions. And the sentencing will occur later this year as the investigation remains ongoing. So how many people will get caught up in this? Swept up in the scandal? Time will tell. That's right. Back to Minnesota, there was a pretty big dispute between the hemp industry and the weed advocates that's now heading to court as the legislature moves closer to legalizing recreational weed, of course. So two hemp industry advocates and business owners are suing uh MN is Ready, which is a uh, lobbying group that's been pushing heavily for recreational weed. They're accusing the group and one of its associates of defaming them online and intentionally inflicting emotional distress. The person at hand that they're pointing the finger at is a guy by the name of Sean Weber, who is part of this nonprofit and also the owner of Crested River Cannabis Company. And... He attacked these two hemp industry guys for raising concerns 
their story here, raising concerns about how legalization might affect the hemp industry. But he called them anti-legalization. And that's where the rub comes in. Because if you're a hemp dude associated with being anti-legalization, that's going to hurt business, man. So uh, another guy jumped in who runs a hemp-infused beverage company saying that they accused him of opposing legalization also. Um, but the nonprofit here, MN is Ready, Minnesota is Ready, issued a statement last week calling the lawsuit a frivolous public relations stunt backed by two of the most vocal opponents of legalization. So they doubled down on it. Oh, boy. Now, last year in Minnesota nuts, uh, THC edibles became legal under a bill that passed. So if you're 21 plus, you can buy edibles or drinkables that contain up to 50 milligrams of THC per package. And this is not very regulated and can be sold in the hemp stores. So it's been great for them. And they don't want to see that get crushed and them get sucked into the legal weed market where there's going to be strict regulation and all that sort of stuff, you know, higher taxes. So, you know, the, uh, the hemp advocates here, these questions that they're raising, they're just saying, hey, I, we shouldn't be subject to the same tax and stringent regulations as federally illegal weed since hemp is federally legal under the 2018 Farm Bill. And y'all passed a THC edible bill last year. So... I see it. I see both sides. But anytime there's a lawsuit over name calling, right? It's like kind of an eye roller. Can we not? Yeah. Can we figure this out? They're just bringing more attention to it. I would have never considered hemp industry dudes anti-legalization just for asking about the impact of legalization on the hemp industry. Yeah. Until they were like, "This asshole called us opposition to the legalization of weed." It's like, great. It's like the Afro Man lawsuit, you know? You just you just bring attention to yourself. Right. Like the Streisand effect. Exactly. Exactly. In Harlem, businesses are suing to stop a weed dispensary that's been planned for 125th Street. Uh-oh. And this is the first case challenging the rather secretive process that regulators are using to choose dispensary locations. They don't want input from the communities over where these dispensaries are very slowly rolling out to. Of course, the city only has four dispensaries operating right now. It's so wild. It is wild. How do you get it done with four? Those poor know. bastards must be just run dry. And then they tell people, don't go to the illegal smoke shops. Oh, sure. But it's like, there's thousands of those. It's like ice cream trucks, right? Yeah. From yeah. what I understand. Yeah, they have the weed trucks. Or like a little a big bo- thing. bodega on wheel kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So these Harlem businesses are saying that the location is irredeemable because it would add to the crime, congestion, and open drug use that's already plaguing the area. They also point out that the landlord for this spot where they're planning to put the dispensary in already rents space to an unlicensed dispensary two blocks away, which was the scene of a recent murder and multiple shootings. Bad news. And, like, unfortunate events. So hit that smoke shop there that they're referencing was also one of the 400 businesses that the Manhattan district attorney, Alvin Bragg, singled out in his February letters threatening eviction, which mm. hasn't come to fruition. But 
Yep. No bueno. Also in New York, a fired police officer is suing after a drug test on his hair, the hair follicle drug test, which can't be used in court because it is notoriously unreliable. Uh, It found carboxy-THC on three of his hairs, and he was fired for using weed and being a cop. Mm -hmm. He says that his soap that he uses in the shower made him fail. The drug test. No way. And you know what soap it's going to be. A bar of hemp soap, right? Hemp soap. Yeah. And whose hemp soap is that? Dr. Bronner's. Oh, Dr. Bronner. So he called out Dr. Bronner's. He said, man, Dr. Bronner's made me pop positive. I thought we loved Jesus, Dr. Bronner. Now we're uh, failing drug tests. Yeah. Back in 2017, Dr. Bronner's made a statement saying that there's no risk of failing a drug test after using their products because only about 2% of the soap is actually hemp, and there's no THC in hemp. Or, you know, if there is, it's less than 0.3%. Yeah. So, uh... I would be surprised. I would be surprised at the amount of Bronner's you'd have to scrub in to <laughs> actually pop a follicle test. But I don't know. It depends on how... High, they got the test turned up. You know? Well, these follicle tests, I think, just pop positive for a lot of things all the time. Plus, it's like uh, hair is the reason they test hair and they like to test hair is shit tends to stay there and uh, for like ever, yeah. years and years, right? And and kind of accumulate too over time, you know. Yeah, and this guy was only hired on in 2020, and he was actually in the midst of a um, two-year probationary period when he was ordered to do the physical and drug screening for his end of probation. And then he was placed on a modified duty because of the results, and then ultimately terminated last December. So he points out, you know, in NYPD, you're not allowed to smoke weed, but there are no rules against using hemp seed oil soaps or products. Yes. And he thinks maybe there should be. But Reminds me of that uh, Mythbusters where... They ate all the goddamn poppy seed muffins. Oh, yeah. You had to eat like 28 in order to piss for uh, opiates. Opiates, yeah. But yeah. you did eventually. Do you, it again with Dr. Bronner's. You'd have to eat like a puke-worthy amount of the muffins, but it's, it, it, it's possible. That's what I'm trying to say. It also might be worth mentioning that Dr. Bronner's is behind almost every state legalization initiative that you've ever seen. Dr. Bronner's is a huge supporter yeah. of American legalization, which makes sense. Generally good work from those guys, I think, overall. Yeah. I enjoy their bottle of shampoo. I enjoy the scrubby dubby. Quality product, and you never run out of shit to read if it's in your shower. <laughs> that is without a doubt. <laughs> that packaging is crazy and refillable. Yeah. So something uh, interesting happened in Oregon this past week. The Secretary of State's office released a cannabis audit, and then, come to find out, the Secretary of State, Shamia Fagan, actually has been working a side job as a consultant to a weed company since February, which is, there's a huge uproar now, you know, shouting conflict of interest. In her defense, she recused herself from the audit Before she even took the job, like when she was considering taking the job, she recused herself and then she signed on. Um, But folks are up in arms about it. The governor is calling for an ethics investigation into the issue, which the secretary of state welcomed. 
Um, and, you know, it's also strange because if there were problems found in this audit, any of the action coming out of that or reaction would be from the Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission or uh, the legislature, not the Secretary of State. So it's not like there really was a conflict of interest, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But damn, she was making, so she gets paid $77,000 a year for being Secretary of State. But this company she was working with, which was a uh, subsidiary subsidiary of Lamota, she was making ten thousand a month with a thirty thousand dollar bonus every time she successfully landed a weed license in any state other than Oregon or New Mexico. For them, damn. So yeah, big money. And then uh, the audit findings came out. It suggested that the state prepare for federal legalization. Uh, another suggestion was reconsidering the steel door and 24-hour surveillance requirement for businesses. They suggest obtaining demographic data and then completing an assessment on how the moratorium for new licenses has impacted the state. Now, I, I grabbed a clip here because this story came out and then yesterday happened. And the Secretary of State had something to say for herself about the whole thing and made a big decision. I owe the people of Oregon an apology. I owe the diligent professionals in my agency an apology. I am truly sorry. Oregon Secretary of State Shamia Fagan announced Monday she has quit her consultancy with a marijuana company. The side job came under fire after Fagan's office released an audit of the Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission. Fagan previously said she recused herself from the audit. She recused herself. Absolutely recused. <laughs> Absolutely recused. Okay, I'm backing up. Fagan previously said she recused herself from the audit process. I exercise poor judgment by contracting with a company that is owned by my political donors Oops. and is regulated by an agency that was under audit by my audits division. Variety Holdings is an affiliate of Lamoda, a cannabis chain whose owners have reportedly failed to pay millions of dollars in cannabis and federal income taxes and faced workplace complaints. Former Bend mayor and current News Channel 21 political analyst Love Jeff that. Eager says he would not be surprised if Fagan has to resign. In Oregon, the only way for someone to leave office, aside from being unelected, is to resign. We don't have impeachment uh, in Oregon. So uh, if she's going to go, she, in all likelihood, she's going to resign. So that's kind of the push right now is for her to resign. And as if that wasn't bad enough, this story also came out just kind of piling on. Emergency crews have responded directly to this house three dozen times since the new ownership. Aaron Mitchell of Lamoda, one uh -oh. of Oregon's largest marijuana dispensary companies. The Portland Bureau of Development Services has issued more than half a dozen code violation cases on this house since 2021. So far, the city has charged the owner nearly $12,000 in liens, which continue to accrue interest. The city was granted authority to board up and clean up the property immediately. The city has the power to demolish in October if the property owner doesn't step in. 
According to public records, Mitchell filed for a permit to turn this property into a dispensary in 2020, but so far hasn't acted on it. So we reached out to the owners of Lamoda, Aaron Mitchell, and Rosa Cazares for comment. The couple says it is completely understandable that neighbors are frustrated. We want them to know that we are working as quickly as possible to demolish this structure and redevelop the property. We have already hired a contractor, filed permits, paid deposits, and are awaiting final approval to proceed. That's not the only thing in all this, because you mentioned Rosa Cazares, CEO of La Moda. Something else she's known for is that she is also serving as the vice chair for City of Portland's Cannabis Oversight Team. And I know you've got an update on that tonight. In just the last hour, the Bureau of Development Services reached out to me to tell me that Rosa Cazares has been removed from that board effective immediately. So... Lamoda under fire. Absolutely yoinked. Wow, there's shit going down. Yeah, Oregon is nuts right now. Yeah. As soon as people found out that the Secretary of State was working with a weed company on the side for a little side hustle. Dirty. They're taking her down. They're trying to take her down. They're trying to take that company down. So, yeah, they found this, uh, like, a squatter house that that couple behind the company had bought. Damn. Just crazy media assassination going on. I couldn't believe it. It was just all, every day, there was something else coming out. Damn. It was first just like, oh, there's an audit being released. Oh, the secretary was working for something. Oh, they have a squatter house. Whoa. Wow. Crazy. And a when full the, court press in the media, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, you could hear the creepy music in the background, yeah. like suspenseful <laughs> horror. <laughs> and you also probably heard it jump because this was an eight minute report. Oh my god. About how horrible these people are for letting squatters sit in that house that they bought, terrorizing the neighborhood. I mean, they talked to all the neighbors and stuff. They got uh, everybody worked up over the entirety of the B block, huh? Exactly. They showed ring video footage of the house oh. blowing up at one point and all these fire trucks coming in. Just crazy stuff, you know. It's telling stories of drive-by shootings. It was just horrible when the media wants to get you. Yeah. Your toast. <laughs> toast. Post toasties. Yeah. But hey, at least uh, this company was buying licenses in other states. So, you know, they'll manage. They might not be able to operate in Oregon, but they're probably rocking somewhere else already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Uh, speaking of fires... There was a bad one down in Oklahoma. Oh, no. Shortly before 4 p.m., we were dispatched for a possible explosion in building fire. Firefighters in Logan County went to work. It appears to be one of those uh, grow houses. Oak Cliff Assistant Fire Chief Darren Martin says this fire hurt two people. Got three ambulance, transported two individuals from here uh, to the hospital in serious but stable condition. Investigators say the owners of this marijuana farm off Sooner Road in Logan County did not have the required building permit to show the building was safe. Um, obviously, um, these, some of these facilities aren't to code, um, which could result in fire or explosions or something of the uh, nature. Nicholas Neto is the deputy administrator with the Oklahoma LP Gas Administration. He says it's too early to tell if this was a gas explosion. However, he discovered something else. They, they was have obtained butane here uh, illegally. Butane gas is highly flammable, which is why it is heavily regulated in Oklahoma. We can strongly say that they are very lucky that no one was killed here today. Neto says they'll continue to investigate to find out what happened on Thursday afternoon. This is this is definitely a, a illegal grow. We're, we're fortunate 
Unfortunately, there were injuries. Fortunately, there wasn't fatalities. So Oklahoma coming back into the news with the illegal grows. Dang. This time they're blowing themselves up. Seems ill-advised. Yeah, well, you know why they had butane on hand. <laughs> yeah. A little extraction a little solvent. action. A little solvent, yeah. Yep. But these, uh, you know, these firefighters have no idea. And, um, yeah, it was a bad fire. It looked nasty. They had a helicopter over it. The roof was black. It's a metal warehouse building. So, whoopsies. The Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics and their medical marijuana authority will handle any and all charges that come to fruition out of this. Hmm. I see. Yep. Then in Philadelphia, uh, a guy was flying, ill-advised, flying, you know, commercial flights. 34-year-old man from California. He was heading to Ireland, but uh, he had a layover, I guess, at the Philadelphia International Airport. And Customs and Border Protection did an x-ray on his luggage. He had two suitcases, and they were kind of weirded out by it. So they decided to check it out and get a drug dog in there, which barked. And come to find his two suitcases had no clothes or anything in it, just weed. Weed in black trash bags and then, you know, the old vacuum-sealed lots, shall we say. So uh, he was smuggling a bulk amount of weed on a commercial flight to Ireland. Damn. Yeah. That's ballsy. Yeah. Got caught. Now he's facing felony charges of narcotics possession with intent to distribute. Womp womp. Ouchie. Yeah. Oh, brother. Oh, brother, indeed. Uh, Pennsylvania was in the news again twice this week for another seizure. And I have a clip. Well, police here in Hampton Township say that this pallet containing all of this marijuana and THC products was found at a UPS freight facility here in the township. Authorities say that that pallet was originating from California and it was intended for a destination in New Jersey, at least until it was intercepted. I think it winds up being illegal because of the way it is being shipped. Cumberland County District Attorney Sean McCormack says the drugs seized Thursday in Hampton Township were part of three shipments headed to New Jersey. McCormack says it's not clear if the drugs were destined for a legitimate dispensary or the black market. Now they're scheduled for destruction. There's certainly federal laws that are being broken here. Uh, in the transporting uh, of these of these items, uh, state laws. It's not anything that would be allowed to be possessed here in the state of Pennsylvania under the circumstances under which it was found. No arrests have been made, and Hampton Township's police chief cautioned that with the drugs being destroyed, they may not actually make an arrest in this case. Yeah. That'd be a, that'd be a great T-shirt. Scheduled to be destroyed. Scheduled to be destroyed. <laughs> yeah, three hundred sixty thousand dollars worth of weed stuff. Damn. Yeah. So I guess uh, that's a house, man. The oh, yeah, seriously. The only upside is that whoever was buying it is probably off the hook because they're like, man, we're just gonna destroy this. Right. But it's pretty messed up. Just let some of us it, help destroy it. I can volunteer. <laughs> yeah. I can destroy right? a portion of it. Seriously. I'll help. You destroy it. We can destroy it together. Yeah. Destroy. You don't, to, you don't have to waste taxpayer money destroying it. We can destroy it as the taxpayers for free. 
I volunteer. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's frustrating with the federally illegal shit because California, legal state. New Jersey, legal state. Pennsylvania, stuck in the middle, gonna be a fuck. Weird. You know? Like, hey, it wasn't destined for Pennsylvania. Move along, buddy. Ugh. Pennsylvania's weird. It is. In Washington State, Governor Jay Inslee has decided to tout his pot pardons program in a press release, which actually said he's decided not to seek re-election. twofer. Looky there. Yeah, getting two birds stoned at once. His program was called the Marijuana Justice Initiative, and Jay Inslee should know better than anyone that marijuana is a racist term, so I can't believe he named his program that. What a goof. Yeah. Can he do anything right? Can any politician? No. But yeah, so that initiative cleared misdemeanor conviction records. So that was good for a bunch of people. Yeah, that's good. Small victories. Yeah. In Belize, the prime minister is launching an investigation into some edibles that led to hospitalizations. And now this almost was a top 33 story for me (sighs) because some of it said that 33 people were hospitalized. Some news sources. I'm looking at the radio stations. Okay. But then the print media said uh, 31 people. Huh. 27 children, ages 5 to 15, and 4 adults. The other reporting said 29 children and 4 adults. Hmm. So I'm not sure what the truth is. But well, all of these... You know, four kids is an accounting error. Four adults. Oh, yeah. Four kids. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> But yeah, all of these kids and adults were from one primary school, where I guess the edibles just got handed handed around. Oh, Jesus um, Christ. When children started hallucinating, the principal walked outside and saw that the vendor across the street from the school had little packaged edibles that he was selling. And so she went up to him and uh, talked to him like, hey, did you realize what those are? And he's like, yeah, I'm only selling to adults. But I guess maybe an adult didn't know what they were and accidentally, uh, you know, (laughs) gave them to kids. Oh, my God. So when these children arrived at the hospital, they say that some were unresponsive, some were unconscious. But I'm happy to report that because it was just weed, everyone is now in stable condition. Everyone's fine and everyone's going to be fine. Right. But uh, that vendor and another vendor that was just down the street from him were apprehended you know, like, hey, where'd you get these treats from, bud? And uh, they claim, hey, they came from another source. Don't look at me. I'm just a middleman. Hmm. So, yeah. Bunch of finger pointing and head bonking, huh? Yep. Whose head will be bonked? <laughs> well, that's too bad. Wait and find out. Unfortunately, um, a head was bonked. Actually, it was hanged last week. Hmm. I mentioned that man in Singapore that was... Caught up with conspiring to traffic two pounds of weed. Um, More details came out, but he was ultimately executed Wednesday, last week, the day after the last bowl. And as the story started making it more and more to American news outlets like the New York Times, post-death, it looks like he was linked to this case through his telephone number and nothing else. Which is why I always say texting kills. Mm-hmm. Um, he never came in contact with the weed, but he was allegedly coordinating 
to import some weed with two other guys in 2013. Sheesh. Following this phone number. Now, his family has some arguments here. I mean, could it have even been his phone number 10 years ago? Might have been someone else's. You never know. But the two other guys wrapped up in this situation both gave evidence against this guy. You know? Just, hey, he's the fall guy for us. One pled guilty to trafficking just below a pound of weed, and 500 grams in Singapore is what triggers the death penalty. It's measured in grams, so it's like just over a pound of weed, right? That's like, I don't know, 1.1, 1.2 pounds or something. Um, And so this guy who pled guilty to just below the death penalty amount, he was sentenced to 23 years in prison with 15 strokes of the cane. Oh, no. Yeah. Bonk, bonk. The other man received a discharge not amounting to acquittal. Hmm. And then here we have this third guy, the fall guy. They says he him. didn't touch any weed at all, and he was executed. So just a reminder, as we talked about last week, last year, Singapore executed 11 people, and they were all for nonviolent offenses. Crazy. That's unbelievable, man. Yep. And that's uh, actually going on in the world. While we're complaining about, you know, (laughs) remove weed from Schedule 1 of the Controlled Substances Act, well, fuck, at least they're not hanging potheads here. We're people that talk about weed on a cellular phone, for the most part. Texting is still very dangerous, as long as things are federally illegal. But that's all I've got for my Behind the Curtain segment tonight. Wow, that was a wild ride there. Yeah, it was a wild week. Wild week. Yep, a fun one, though. Nothing but fun. Speaking of fun, uh, we got some fun in our inbox here from the great Sarev Cybertrucker. All right. Who's always sending us a metal moment. And, uh, of course, tonight's no exception. In the bowl and in the morning. This here is Sir Reverend Cybertrucker and Kenny and Grogu with this week's Metal Moment. If you've ever wondered what it would sound like if Rob Zombie had a younger sibling that fronted his own band, well, it's time to kill that curiosity right now. Power Man 5000 is an American band fronted by Spider One, the younger brother of fellow metal musician Rob Zombie and has been the only consistent member of the lineup since the band's formation. Creating a strange fusion of science fiction and action rock, Power Man 5000 released Tonight the Stars Revolt in 1999. From the 1999 album Tonight the Stars Revolt, this is Power Man 5000, When Worlds Collide. What is it we lay? What's going on here? The system for total control Now is there anybody out there Now watch yourself for you Cause we can't go What is it really that is in your head One little life that you had just died I'm gonna be the one that's taking over Now this is what it's like when worlds Going with me, cause I'm going 
God, uh, they took me back to uh, playing Tony Hawk. That was on the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 soundtrack. That's oh, that's a sick soundtrack. That is a great one. Great soundtrack. A lot of cool, like punk, punk and metal and hip hop on that. Fuck yeah! Thank you, Rev. Yeah, thanks, Rev. Follow around uh, what Rev's up to next over at NoAgendaSocial.com. Follow at Rev Cyber Trucker and brings us metal moment week after week, bull after bull. We appreciate you. We also appreciate all of the bowlers who give us a ring and uh, tell us a little about what they remember from the first time they ever did a thing. And the thing changes every week. This week we're talking about the first time you ever found a prize in a box of cereal. And uh, you never know what the voicemail will bring. Sometimes it brings silence. Caller. Hello, caller. Caller, are you there? Yeah, that's a blank one, caller. I'll have to try again. Uh, This next caller... Actually knows what he's doing. Happy hour Wednesday. I just out on the run and uh, listened to part of the bullet woods from uh, yesterday, the 20th. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, but yeah, we're talking about the lawnmower and uh, whacking up the cables and whatnot. And uh, remind me, I was driving the. I was driving a riding lawnmower and uh, there's this one area. I was helping out some people out of. Anyway. But uh, there was a volleyball court, sand volleyball pit court thing. And uh, so I'd always try to, like, get as close to it as I could sort of deal. So that way I didn't, like, less happen to pull off a manual lawnmower and, and mow, mow edges and stuff like that. Well, it was sunken in a little bit, the pit. You know, nice bike, actually. But uh, I got a little too close and started to get toward the edge and slid a bit, slid a little bit and... And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, man. But uh, the only funny part about it was uh, it wasn't a big deal. I got it out there. But it was just funny because I actually uh, burnt rubber a little bit on the grass when I was trying to maneuver it out of there. So I was like, yeah, burnt rubber with lawnmower. So <laughs> anyway, that's it. All right. Uh, yeah. You know, of course, I'll leave a message for the next one. So we're not going to go with all the other stuff, you know, like saying, love you guys and stay dangerous. And okay. <laughs> Look, he's saving that. Oh, brilliant. Um, lawnmower story. I love it. Yeah, fantastic. Those lawnmowers, man. It'd be a real pain in the main vein, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, you remember? The you- first time I ever found a prize in a cereal box? Oh, this is a tough one. Because I'm not sure, the one that I am positive on was not my first. I can, I have like a faint recollection of my first one. And it was a, I'll just describe it to you because I don't know what character it was, if it was a character at all. I don't know what cereal it came from. Mm -hmm. But it was like a piece of paper, like a book, that almost looked like a QR code in red. And then there was a magnifying glass. Yeah. And like when you waved it over, it revealed the secret messages. Yeah. There's like blue text underneath all the red squiggles. Yeah. And I thought that was neat. That is cool. But the first 
cereal. I remember those. Prize, I definitely remember and can tell you like where it came from and everything, was a color-changing spoon. When it hit the milk, it changed color. Yeah. And it was um, Simba from the Lion King out of a box of Cheerios. Nice. Yes, I was the target demographic for that one. Yeah, we grew up in that time where that was in the cereal. We did indeed. Uh, remember when you could find prizes in your food? Ah, uh, yeah, Mamba. It uh, also brings up memories of the Wonder Ball. Ah, uh, right. So good. Yeah. Chocolate sphere filled with like sweet tarts in the middle and a prize. Yeah. Let's repeal the prohibitions on fun. That'd be nice. <laughs> Come on. You can have toys in food. Just teach your children not to eat the toys that are in the food. <laughs> it doesn't seem that difficult, especially when the toy is a spoon made for eating the food with, you know? And, it's and like, come on. If you're going to have, for real, a zero-tolerance policy on anybody, any fucking idiot getting a hold of a Wonder Ball and choking on it, like, uh, it's impossible. It's too much nerfing in the society, you know? nerfed, and then everyone has to be liable for shit, you know, that they didn't really do. Yeah, yeah, they, exactly. They, they project liability for literal accidents. Yeah. You didn't use the product properly, so it's the product maker's fault. I don't understand. Responsibility, people. Make society with, weaker. With great know. freedom comes great responsibility, and we need both of them, and right now we're lacking in both of them. I agree. And it's irksome. We are not, however, lacking uh, in this next caller. Oh, man, it. Tuesday oh, yeah. with Tuesday. the and the Spencer. How about them apples? <laughs> uh, cereal. Uh, so we never really had like cereal growing up. Was like uh, like Rice Krispies or like store brand Rice Krispies or something like Raisin Bran or Cheerios. Sometimes we get honey nut Cheerios, but usually by like accident, then my parents would grab it from like Costco or something. But, uh, yeah, so we never really had, like, the usually had cereals that had, like, prizes in them. But I do remember, which I was kind of like, oh, bummer, man, no prizes. But I realized, like, cereals were really not great for you anyway, let alone the yeah. sugary stuff that had prizes. True. But I guess the first prize that I remember, and really the only prize I remember, there's this little green plastic volcano. Oh, and, nice. Uh, I guess you put, like, baking soda or something in and do, like, a little volcano thing or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so maybe I did it once, but I think... I might actually still have that volcano around somewhere. Whoa. But uh, surprisingly, you know But, uh, yeah, so I would say that was probably the, the, the first prize that I remember finding in the, in the cereal box. So, yeah. So, short story long as I like to do it. So, all right. There you go. been an odd day today because I did, like, I don't know, like over 12 hours or something like that. Yeah, just on my way heading home, I was like, "Oh man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta call the bowl, man." Oh, cheers, man! It's that time. So, all right, well, I love you guys. Thank I love you. Rich. And uh, whether or not you're eating cereal now, or you've had it in the past, or maybe in the future, give a good old. <laughs> oh man, I'm That one had wings. Because I hurt my ears. Kick out. Yep. I think there's a pain filter somewhere between the uh, cell phone mic and the voicemail box. Yeah, there is. Because it didn't hurt my ears too bad. Nope, it was just sweet, beautiful cacao. That's right. Cool, man. Oh, a uh, science class volcano hoarder. 
among many other things. Christopher Battles, we salute you. Oh, the baking soda and vinegar is so fun. It's always a fun one. And volcanoes? Psh. This next caller is a volcano. What up? In the bowl. In what the bowl. Up? What up, what up? Trying to call in and add some additional stats on the idea that they're coming to get you. Oh. <laughs> I just, this mentality, there's never like a another foot to it. It's just like, oh, they're coming for you. They're coming to get you, Charlie. They're going to swallow your soul. <laughs> I just... Just don't buy it. Just don't buy it. Just sounds like a giant sucking mind trap. Keep people fucking scared. Yeah. And uh, it's a an attention scam. I just. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, like if the people out in the fucking ocean, those seasteaders can't figure it out, we're all fucked. Um. So at that point. Why do anything? Why fucking try to grow a family or fucking foster relationships or fucking earn a sustainable, valuable living? Why do it? Period. I mean, they're coming to get you, Barbara. To Isengard, to Isengard, the hobbits are coming to Isengard. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. We we heard this one. Uh, post show post show with the last balls with buds because yeah 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 i I quite agree this mind trap of uh they're coming for you it's five alarm the end of the world and like even even if we took it at face value is true like what's the response though are you doing anything because of that or are you just like shouting about it you just like obsessed over it just talking about (sighs) ah oh ah we need to stand ha ho ha we need to say words ha ho ha we need to completely focus on this I think it's an attention scam, man. Definitely. I think it's an attention scam. It's designed to scam your attention away from all the shit that's, uh, let's say, relevant to your immediate situation. And uh, yeah, it might even be cleverly designed to have a side effect of those things you just mentioned. You know, like, why try? One part attention scam, one part demoralization campaign. Definitely. It's fucking effective. Wait, you know <laughs> it's what? It's fucking effective. I can give him that. I will not live in fear. Yeah. And neither should you. No I, one should. I love the uh, love the sentiment. I just want to say I'm not afraid. That's right. Come to my fucking door. <laughs> Come to my fucking door and I'll fight you. Papiao. Exactly. Not going down without a fight. Um. And then, yeah, it's like, if they wanted you, wouldn't they have grabbed you by now? And then who's they? They, bro. They... The they're, others. They're in every bush, dude. You just Yeah. It's a it's a mental trap. Yeah. Don't put yourself in that box. Why would I fold when I have such a great hand? <laughs> Go yeah. fuck yourself. Ding ding ding. Uh you know, it's funny you told the cereal spoon uh idea. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you ever found a prize in a cereal box? I found the same one, dude. Oh <gasps> Simba? Uh, so it was a different character and I was trying so hard to remember the character because I didn't even remember that there was a character until you said Simba. I had a Sim, you had a Simba one. Uh, but they would do the different movies that all rolled out. Yep. And it wasn't always Disney, but the Disney one would always make it, you know? Yeah. I can't remember which one I got to be really honest with you, but I remember it was a fucking color changing milk spoon. So cool. 
uh, Fruity Loops. Pretty sure it came out of the Fruity Loops. Huh. It might have been Frosted Flakes, because we also always had Frosted Flakes around. They're great. You know, my, my, <laughs> my dad is a fucking uh, Frosted Flakes guy, you know? So are our kids. Thanks, Pop. <laughs> You've got to, like... The thing about Frosted Flakes, you got to eat that shit in a hurry, because it goes soggy so fast. Yeah, it does. you got to just go wham, 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 and get through the flakes before they get moist. Moist. Mm. Too much work. For not enough reward. Yeah. In my opinion. I once uh, got a Tony the Tiger Spoon. I remember that. I wonder if it wasn't a Tony the Tiger Spoon, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, color changer. That's always fun. It's like some kind of magic when you're at that age, you know? Yeah, like, remember color changing straws? The big, like, flexible ones that are thick. Those are cool. They would come with a bunch of drinks all over the place. It yeah. was like a thing of the 90s. I fucked up my uh, color changing spoon, though. Um, oh? You So, um, I always made two packs of instant oatmeal in the microwave every day since I was super, super young. That was like breakfast. For ages. Just okay. ages. Like, wake up. Two packs of oatmeal, go to elementary school, right? Yeah. One morning for whatever fucking re- I can't, I don't know. I've done it a hundred times, hundreds of times, in fact. And uh, I forgot the water. Oh, no. And put it in there two minutes and walked away. And uh, I fucking set the oatmeal on fire, ruined the spoon. Because I was dumb enough to have the spoon in there, too. But it oh, never, no. like, I never got burned on it, you know? Yeah. Until you it, slipped up. It's always fine. It's probably hella bad for you to be microwaving a spoon inside your food. Yeah. Who knows what kind of plastic, plastic. is coming out of that gross shit. But mm. worse is when it catches on fire and melts. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it was so fuck, uh, a little awkward. Did you uh, get rid of the evidence before your parents found out? Oh, or? fuck no, dude. The whole kitchen was filled with smoke. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's too bad, Nothing, man. like, flamed out uh, once it stopped. You know, once the microwave got popped open... There was no flames anymore. But it was while it was spinning around in there. Oats on fire. Oof. Yeah. Not how you want your oats. No way. No way. This next caller's on fire. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Bowlers. Hey. Um, Dr. Talk- Sir. Cereal box treats. Yeah. I was a goddamn Boy Scout. Salutes. I bought a fucking 22 pistol. Out of the back of the Boys Life magazine. Fucking base. Back in my day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Cracker Jack has a, has a, a stand up, um, folded cardboard bullshit. <laughs> no. I had a fucking pistol for like five bucks. Nice. Shipping and handling. <laughs> anyway, um, adios. <laughs> Mofos. Adios. Oh, God. Sober up. <laughs> Cup of coffee over here for my man, Mike Roch, please. Cheers, Dr. Sir. Cheers. Ref, uh, appreciate you. <laughs> also appreciate you for sneaking stand-up mom into the uh, transcription there, however you pulled it off. Oh, you know, that could be a good show title. It's a hot potential. If there were more stand-up moms, maybe there would be less your mom jokes. Maybe. The dads are just outdoing us. That's why there's no your dad jokes. There are dad jokes, but not about your dad. Exactly. They're That's just told why. by your dad. That's the defense. Come on, moms. Be funny. I know it's a tough ask. Mm. We got to work on it. Um, One more caller in the queue. I tell you, man, first time I ever found a prize in a cereal box, it was cereal. Delicious, 
crunchy cereal. <laughs> <sighs> the greatest prize of all. In the bowl. In the bowl. Cereal in the bowl. Holy based. Based and cereal pilled. So based. Yeah. Who wants to just sometimes go off and be a DJ and smash on a fat bowl of cereal? Me. Yeah, it's a concept at bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl of cereal. A cereal buffet where you can fill your bowl endlessly with cereal. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm going to implement it into the bowling alley. Please cereal responsibly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Or, you know, whatever. Fletcher boat. Holy moly. Uh, Well, thank you, callers. We always got to figure out something for next week. Mm. Right at this time when the well runs dry. Uh, We got changed changed jobs. We've got got drunk, which I did not do. We could also add on there a first time I ever told a your mom joke. First time I ever told you your mom joke. Oh my God. That's a big accomplishment. You remember yours? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Because I was pissed. Well, let's just go with that. But we also have some more suggestions in the chat that Uh-oh. should be written down. Okay, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. We need some better. Some of these are just like getting stale on the list and they're not that good. <laughs> suck to tongue has been on there ever since the fucking Dolly thing. <laughs> Crazy. Suck to tongue. We'll get there eventually. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. First time I ever changed a tire. Ooh, that's great. C-Dub suggestion, that is a great one. And Lavish has suggested the first time I ever wounded myself. Ooh. Which is also a great one. F-Tie wounded. I remember that. Okay. Or maybe even the first time I ever felt like an adult. F-Tie felt like an adult. Shit. Yeah, not I'm the writing greatest that, feeling. I'm writing that one down for my next round of Never Have I Ever. Perfect. Hey. Oi. Um, okay. I like them. So are we going with the first time I ever told a your mom joke Hell yeah. next week? Yeah, that'll, be, that'll be the uh That'll be the pitch. That's the one. First time I ever told uh, your mom joke, you can let us know at 816-607-3663. As early as now. As early as right now. And if you're like leaving it right now, trying to get it in, I'm sorry. I always close the tab right around then. So I still love you. And uh, you know what else we love? It's saying. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Let's go bowling. Yeah. So. There's an office in Germany, and they rent the office, obviously, um, and they have some human resources there. It's like the HR department. So they were working one day, and someone was taking a look out the window at the courtyard, and lo and behold, there's the landlord, sunbathing, naked. Nice. So what did they decide to do? Sue. Aww. Sue the landlord. Say, we're not paying our rent. We saw you naked. What? Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? Don't you want to see me naked? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so then they stopped paying him. Pay your rent. So the landlord countersued. And I'm happy to tell you that uh, he won, and the court rejected the HR department's reasoning uh, because they said, yeah, hey, your property here was still totally usable by you. It wasn't impaired by the man enjoying the sun in his flesh. His skin suit. And plus, they noted that you could only see him if you really, like, stretched your neck. Took a little lean out the window. Uh-huh. So these people were looking for him. Of course. They, Isn't that always the case? They came back. The company, they were like, well, he had to walk there. He's probably walking through the building naked. And that's, you know, that scars us. The Isn't landlord. 
the way it goes, like people who are offended by the shit are obsessed with it also. Obsessed. Like, oh, uh, oh, oh, I'm offended. Oh, wow. Oh, yo, 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 yo. They can't stop looking at the flaccid ween. <laughs> <laughs> the landlord retorted to that response with, excuse me, I wore a bathrobe outside. You know, I wore a bathrobe to get there. I was on the stairs in my bathrobe. I wasn't walking through the building nude. Just yeah. enjoying the sun in my birthday suit. Yeah. However. You gotta sun your balls. That's just part of, you know, staying healthy. The tenant was able to reduce three months of their rent for noisy ongoing construction. Oh, okay. Which I think is kind of weird because that's not the landlord's fault that there's noisy construction going on. Yeah, that's kind of what you get in the city. Yeah. It is annoying, though. It's hard to work when it's like drills and shit all the time. Oh, well. Good for the naked landlord. I was happy that he won, for the most part. Just got a little uh, pay cut for three months. Now, not such a happy story. Was a 23-year-old Australian tourist who went to Indonesia, to an island off the coast of Sumatra, to uh, catch some waves. He was surfing, staying at a resort known as the Atlantic Moon Beach Resort. Sounds pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But you know the sun's effect on you. It can kind of make you a little loopy. Yeah, he does seem a bit woozy, doesn't he? Woozy, for sure. And he decided to take a swig of vodka. Oh, jeez. And then he hit the streets naked and started knocking people in the face. Oh, no. He was aggro. And he there was one fisherman who was driving his motorcycle, and the dude ran up to him, Punched him off the motorcycle, and he broke a bone and had to get 50 stitches. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ, why don't you put some goddamn clothes on? That one started out with, like, big potential and just quickly went downhill all the way. And it gets worse. Oh, no. Yeah, so this tourist has said on camera to the media there, oh, I'm very sorry. But this area is one of the provinces that's under Sharia law. Oops. So there's no alcohol allowed. Right. And he took a swig of vodka and admitted to it. So now he is facing potentially five years in prison and 40 lashes of the cane. Holy crap. Yeah. Just convicted. That's just That's a, a quarter lot. of what he's looking at. A quarter, people. Yeah. And there you get hit with the cane publicly, That's which so, is humiliating. So weird. It's very weird. Places that aren't America. What are you doing? It's just weird, us all. <laughs> if you're going to run it that way, then uh, that's up to y'all. Yeah. It's and uh, I'm probably not going to visit. Yeah. Because it sounds like you don't appreciate fun. Yeah. And I am a fun lady. I like sometimes to swig a vodka. I like sometimes to puff a joint. And if I can't do that in your spot, I probably just won't be a tourist there. Yeah. Since the whole uh, fuck airplanes thing, though, you know. It narrows my countries I might go to list way down. Definitely. Put some uh, work on the to-do list to get a pilot's license, well, I would say. there's that. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> One thing at a time. airports, yeah, what's well, a step in the right direction just thinking about it, I yeah. suppose. But speaking of fuck airports, mm -hmm. don't get caught with a titanium straw that has a beveled end at the Boston airport. Okay, I won't. Because it'll be confiscated with you. No bummer. From you. Yeah, you lose it. Off you. Off of you. Step over here, sir. We got to confiscate that off you, kid. 
I think this story was everywhere this week. I feel like every news outlet covered it, and I'm convinced it's an ad. Okay. Because they're calling it the vampire straw. The vampire straw. That's what it's actually called, too. And it sells... It sells for $85. Okay. I'm happy to say, though, it is made in the USA of (laughs) titanium. Yeehaw. And so what it is, is a straw that bills itself as a self-defense weapon. Okay. So it can be uh, used like a dagger. Gotcha. Or to drink a smoothie or whatever your beverage of choice is. Uh, Blood from the neck. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you never know when someone's going to walk up on you looking for a problem while you're just trying to have a drink. Enjoy your beverage, man. Then you just grab your straw and whoosh, bang. Poke (laughs) him. You fuck with the wrong guy with a straw. Exactly. Boom, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Wow, that sounds tough. Yeah. This 26-year-old had the vampire straw in his carry-on backpack, and that is not allowed at the Boston airport. Probably most airports. Because, you know, that's a dangerous weapon, man. True. So he's scheduled to be arraigned May 30th. I'm kind of interested to see what comes of that. You know, you would think the punishment of taking it from him is just already enough. Like, oh, you have something that's not allowed. We're just going to take it from you. Enjoy your flight. That's the way it should be, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. But no, he's got to get in trouble for it. So I went to the website that makes these straws, and they had a little passage on the vampire straw that I wanted to read. It says, In a hundred thousand years, when every trace of humanity will have disappeared, the vampire straw will remain unaffected by corrosion as a testament of the ingenuity human beings possessed to invent contraptions to hurt each other. Made in the USA. Uh, be good to be good at it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh... <laughs> Another, it feels like an ad. Yeah. A pub in England claims that their establishment is haunted. And Tell I mean, me more. I love a good haunting. Sure. I love a good ghost story. And they shared some CCTV footage that's pretty convincing. The first part of the video shows a glass exploding. In front of a guy. Ooh. A customer. Yeah, he come up, came up to the owners with uh, shards of glass on him and beer all over the place. Saying, like, I don't know what happened. The glass just exploded. Pretty weird. Yeah. You know, I was trying to think of how that could work. Beer of rage. I was thinking, what makes glass explode? Like, hot and cold? Mm. You know, like, maybe the glass just came out of the uh, dishwasher and was very hot, and then they put the cold liquid in it. Mm. But I don't think that's enough. No. I don't think that's enough. And the beer was cold. Put plenty of cold shit in hot glasses uh, in my day. Yeah. The second video shows a man sitting at a table looking out the window when his pint slides off the table onto his lap. Whoa. And I thought, you know, maybe it could have slid on condensation. Maybe. Yeah. That seems way more plausible than the first thing. Yeah. He's wearing a sweater, though, so it doesn't seem like it should have been, like, warm in there. To cause that much condensation to make the thing slide. But what's strange and what adds some credibility to this haunting story is that both of these incidents happened at the same table. Ooh. And then the owners found out that there was a tenant that used to live in the flat above the pub by the name of Dave. And one night, Dave decided to drink a whole bottle of brandy 
and then died of a heart attack. No shit. Dave should have tried weed instead. Yeah. A bottle of brandy is too much brandy. Yeah, but brandy is a fine girl. (laughs) So the sailors say. That one's for you, Brandy. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. We did, by the way, get a boost from the legendary Lavish. Oh? Nine, 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 nine. Woo! Out of Fountain. Because, of course, nine, 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 nine is a pesky naked German landlord boost. Very nice. Cheers. Thank you, sir. I've got a clip I'd like to play for you. All right. If you don't mind. Uh, I do not. Let's see what you, uh, what you make of this. Did you hear that sound? Yeah. At the end of that? What is it? Oh, ha, ha, ha. Like a, like a weird laugh. That's what it sounds like to you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. What do you think? The art, I thought it sounded like, yeah, I don't know. Just. Give it to me again. Okay. Let's hear it. Let's hear it again. I think kind of like a laugh or like, yeah. Ah, oh, yes. He was saying, "Can it be? Can it be Christine?" Ha 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 ha! That's what he was saying. Well, it was just muffled. The LA Times ran wild with this, oh, claiming boy. that a woman's loud and full-body orgasm was heard during the Philharmonic concert. Loud and full-bodied orgasm? Yes. Wait, let me hear it again. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. When you replay it in the context, I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a little different. But hey, everyone makes different sounds. So This is true. Who am I to judge? This was uh, Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony, if you didn't recognize it, <laughs> being played by the L.A. Philharmonic at the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Well, who's and, uh, who's outraged? I mean, oh no, 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 no one's outraged. No okay. one's outraged. The moan came from the balcony, and the orchestra kept playing, which is their job. So I'm glad right. they did. Um, I just want to point out that this lady came a little early because the true climax of this movement is like 20 bars later. Okay, but that's all right. That's all right if she was feeling it. Sometimes it's hard to hold that nut. There was a woman sitting in front of her that talked to the journalist that wrote this story and said, I saw the girl after it happened, and I assume that she had an orgasm because she was heavily breathing, and her partner was smiling and looking at her, like in an effort to not shame her. It was quite beautiful. Oh, how touching. But an attendee that was behind the woman said, it appeared as if she had fallen asleep and then woke up and made that sound. Ah, okay. Yeah, the quote was, Pretty quickly, she sort of fell onto her partner's shoulders and then onto his lap, and then her body went limp. Maybe like five seconds later, she kind of awoke, and that's when she let out a scream. Whoa. Could have been a narcoleptic, I guess? Uh, I mean, Tchaikovsky's known to do some weird shit to people. Yeah. And that's a hell of a flex to satisfy the ladies 130 years later. I mean... But Tchaikovsky, uh, I'm pretty sure, was gay. (laughs) That's... It's just that much more powerful. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. When I heard the sound, I, I wasn't sure what to make of it. I don't, I still don't hear orgasm. I'm not convinced. Yeah. Yeah. Orgasm is usually like more squealy and shaking involved. Yeah. There's two kinds. There's either like the squealy kind. Bowl after bowl.com. Oh, Jesus. Not that kind. That is a good squeal, though. That's a low key orgasm. This is squealy. <laughs> but there's also the grunty. Yeah. Which uh, I guess the pin action really is a version of grunty. And look at this pin action. Oh. But there's kind of just like a ugh. But or, full or, uh, body uh, orgasm is like. Full body orgasm. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Out, I, I prefer out of body orgasm <laughs> as a descriptor for what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it moves, but then you're like moving up and out of the body itself. That makes sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Anyway, I don't know. Not An to ethereal nitpick. orgasm. Uh, I buy the story that the lady like keeled over and then woke up and was very confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, it, it's kind of more of the, like, so ah. If the lady was maybe a manatee, that might be an orgasm or something like that. You know, Barbara manatee. Some kind of a badger, maybe. <laughs> or a panda bear. Yeah. Well, it was a great headline. Caught my attention. I can imagine. I wanted to hear the orgasm. <laughs> and then I heard it and attention. I was I was a little let down. Yeah. I wanted squealing. I wanted visuals. I wanted to hear like, oh, she had her uh Bluetooth vibrator in her cooch at the time and you know the fans were just going wild. Sending I'm sure they gold. were just jizzing all over themselves for that. I think uh that chess cheating story was more exciting than this one. Yeah. And that's probably bullshit of some sort. Isn't all journalism though. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, the most disappointing thing is that we don't have any quotes from the lady that made the sound. You know? Like, let's get to the bottom of this. She declined to comment. Find that woman. <laughs> don't. Don't. Just go to the next story. All right. A man was catfishing here in Missouri when he snagged a four-foot prehistoric fish instead. Oh, yeah. Now that's that's what I'm talking about. It was a lake sturgeon. Did you know they're prehistoric? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can grow up to eight feet long and weigh up to 300 pounds. Yeah, those things are fucking wild. Yeah, this one he grabbed was four feet, and he just snapped a quick photo, so he doesn't have a weight on it, but the thing was huge and crazy looking. Damn. And, uh, you know, catch and release, he put it back in the water, which is good because they are protected as an endangered species. Mm. But yeah, he was using worms to... Catch catfish. Interesting. Yeah, it's, so I was, uh, that's what I was going to ask. Do you have to bait sturgeon or is it like a snag? Like spoonbills are huge too, but you can only catch them snagging because they eat like plankton or some shit. You know, they don't go for bait. Yeah, this one went for the bait. Took the bait. Wild. That's it fun. wild. Yeah. I didn't know they were prehistoric. Yeah, they're like a water dinosaur. Crazy. Still around in the lake, yeah. And here I was thinking I was special having chickens in my backyard. I knew about their existence, but I hadn't heard much in the way of people catching them. But that's pretty cool. Yeah. What a surprise. Mm-hmm. Another surprise hit a principal out of West Virginia school. It was Monday morning. And one of his jobs is to uh, go outside and unlock the dumpster that's outside the school. So he goes and he unlocks it. And then the lid flies open. And what pops up? A black bear. Full size, too. 
It's like a real bigger-than-life jack-in-the-box, dude. Pop goes the weasel. Yeah, and they were both equally terrified when they saw each other, so <laughs> the principal runs in one direction and the bear ran off in the other. <laughs> All they can figure is that that bear somehow managed to squeeze under the dumpster latch and uh, get into the container and then find out it couldn't get out once the thing closed behind it. Oops. It would be very strange if someone locked up the dumpster when the bear was in it. Dumbass like, bears. Yeah, you know, how did you not notice that bear? But stay yeah. in the woods, bears. Don't eat trash. Yeah. Catch some fresh goodness. Don't stoop to the raccoon activities, man. <laughs> and the the who else is always the possums, man. Yeah. And the cats. Those are the cats. three main offenders around here. Fuck cats. Raccoons, possums, cats. Yep, they'll all get in your trash. Stop eating my trash. I can't put it out the night before because of you fucks. I know. It's so frustrating. I'd rather put it out the night before. But no, because then the bag's all ripped up and then the trash men won't take it. Or they will take it and they'll spin around in three circles before they throw it in the back <laughs> of the truck so it all goes everywhere or some shit. It does seem that way. Yeah. Sometimes even when you put it out in the morning. Seems like they're doing a little dance with your trash. Uh, speaking of dumbasses, though, <laughs> listen to this next story. The dog probably ran into her. He didn't actually chomp down, and he didn't. There's no flesh taken out. There was no like she wasn't bleeding. Alex Zaslov says his dog Archie is accused of biting a mail carrier in the 6600 block of Edenvale Road. Wednesday, Baltimore County Animal Services came to check if the dog has had all of his shots, and he has. Zachary Lewin tended to the mail carrier right after it happened. She did have teeth marks. Mm-hmm. She had teeth marks on one side, though. Uh, as far as I've ever, you know, known, when dogs actually bite, there's usually both sides. Neighbors say the mail carrier is too afraid now to deliver mail to the area. We just don't know why the whole, the, the whole block can't get mail for over a month because of this incident. We understand that... Um, the mail carrier needs to feel safe. It's pretty inconvenient because we have to go to the post office to get our mail every day. Um, Sometimes they close early due to staffing issues. There'll be a sign up on the door saying, sorry, we closed at 1.30 today. We have to leave our work, go pick up the mail. It's like, it really is, it's become a hassle. Archie is contained to the property by an invisible fence. Zaslov says he understands why the mail carrier is afraid to deliver mail to this block. I can understand. It must have been traumatic, of course. I mean, but, uh, you know, I I feel bad. And I also have to go get my mail. And my neighbors are all upset at me because, you know, it just just happened that way. We would just love our mail to just get delivered. We reached out to the Postal Service. So far, no response. Man, you got to train your dog. Yes. Not to bite the mailman or mailwoman. That's basic uh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. There's not just... A thing that happened to happen. Like, the the neighbors are pissed at you because that's irresponsible, dude. I know. It, if, you, if you get an animal and you own the animal, it's your respo- you're, you're responsible for the actions of the animal. Yeah, exactly. And I hate the invisible fence thing. It's like, those things don't work. That's if stupid. dog wants something, it's going to run through the fence. The yeah. shock only lasts for a few seconds. And it's going to fucking make them more aggressive as they do it. And I've got to say something. I have scars on my left arm from being bit by a dog. And they're only on one side. And I lost flesh mm-hmm. in that incident. I mean, I had meat hanging out of my arm. So, fuck you, dude. Yeah. And this is, you know, in my opinion, where some vigilante justice might be a good idea in Minecraft. I don't know. I would be so pissed off. It's not going to bring the mailman back. 
if they can prove that the dog's not there anymore, I bet it would get a mailman back. That's possible. But yeah, it's like, dude, you shouldn't be wondering why your neighbors are pissed at you. That You've inconvenienced the whole neighborhood. Very much true. You'd have to in some way guarantee the... Uh, the safety of the mail delivery person. Yeah, yeah, that that would never be able to happen again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My dogs simply bark at the mail people, and I don't let them out around the time that the mail gets delivered because it annoys me. It is And that's annoying. just an annoyance. Right. You know? It's like, hey, if I was a mailman, i put myself in their shoes. If I was a mailman, I wouldn't want to deliver to this house where these dogs are jumping on the fence barking at me. It's rude and maybe a little scary if you're afraid of dogs. Yeah. So just don't let your dog get the mailman, dude. Come on. Basic shit of being a dog owner. Pretty basic. Yeah. That guy needs training for how to train a dog. <laughs> and you could argue maybe this next guy needed some training. Uh, South Korean man decides to visit an art museum in Seoul, but he skipped breakfast and he was really hungry. Mm-hmm. Now there just happened to be this piece of modern art made by an Italian artist, and the art piece is entitled Comedian. It features a ripe banana taped to a wall with duct tape. Yes, I've seen this. Yeah. So the hungry college student here who skipped breakfast decides, hey, here's this banana just hanging here. I'm just going to untape it and eat it. Yeah. Damn thing was worth $120,000. Yeah, now it's worth more. Yeah. Come on. Well, that's what he claims. Yeah. Someone be, recorded the whole thing. I'm right with him. Yeah. He took, you know, more than a minute to consume the art piece, the yeah. banana, and then politely taped the banana peel back to the wall and commented, hey, damaging a work of modern art could also be artwork. It is absolutely. No, it's a beautiful, come on, how do you not see that? Yeah. You start with a ripe banana duct taped to a fucking canvas or whatever. Just a wall here. Then an observer comes along, eats the banana, retapes it up. Oh, that that's art if what I've could, ever seen what it. What could be more artful? Yeah, they're looking at this all wrong. This is this just became a collaboration between two genius artists. That's right. Well it should triple in price. <laughs> the artist had no problem at all with the visitor eating the banana. Of course. Because since it has to be a ripe banana to make the statement he's looking for, the banana is replaced every two days by the museum curators anyway. And it's not the first time it's happened. There was a performance artist that showed up in 2019 and also ate the banana. There you go. So students not being held liable for anything. Art again. Yeah. Creative expression. Yes. And a true artist. And it's temp- like the art, the nature of the art is already temporary. Exactly. You're not fucking it up. It's temporary, but it's also, you know, reborn every two days or whatever. But so, I'm, I'm yeah. also in the mindset of imagine paying admission to see fruit taped to a wall. Oh, yeah. Definitely. There's that aspect of it. You could just come to my house any day and see what my toddlers are up to. <laughs> if you want to see some shit on walls, man. <laughs> I've got shit on my walls. That's You're going to want to bring your checkbook. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. So is that a gutter or a strike i thought i already did this but maybe you did i get i lose track on the lanes you know oh me too we're just having so much fun exactly at the end when time floats on by Mm -hmm. you gotta enjoy the moment you know yeah just eat the banana exactly live in the now (laughs) oh there's 
of one Dutch man that's really living in the now, donating sperm after sperm. No. In fact, found out after getting a court order that he has fathered 550 kids. Holy smokes. Yeah. But not, not. Oh, yeah. He I has, know. no, he has seeded 550 kids. I don't think he's legally bound or allowed to father them, right? As a sperm. Well, owner? he is technically their father. It's his sperm. Yes. The kids came a, out of his nuts. In the genetic sense, you're correct. This is like a technical biological thing, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a lot more depth to fathering as a verb than nutting on an egg. Maybe I'm biased as a father. But. I Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, fathering involves raising the child also. One would think. Uh, to just be a when father. I, just when I hear fathering, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually come in a lady for that. Yeah. But this guy was just jizzing in a cup over yeah. and over again. <laughs> God damn. And the clinic guidelines say that donors are only allowed to donate their sperm to a maximum of 25 children potentials from 12 different women and this is you know to prevent inbreeding and incest and psychological problems for donor children sure genetic uh disasters or whatever yeah potentially but he just lied he just kept lying he just kept changing his identity how many kids had already been uh taken from his nuts and do you uh, get to know how many like say oh it worked with this lady I'm guessing so, because how else would you be able Such to lie about it? Such a weird industry, man. It really is. <sighs> so now the Dutch court has ruled that his sperm that's in storage anywhere must be destroyed, unless it was already reserved for parents. Wild. And, um, yeah, he went to 13 different clinics in the Netherlands. Whoa. And abroad, I guess. He was on a mission. And uh, he also violated the rules by making direct contact with prospective parents. Oh. So this guy's just... Pimping his own nut? Yeah, yeah. And to take it a step further, he created an online platform for his children, uh, his uh, not-children children, to voluntarily connect with him and all of their half-siblings. And he thinks that his approach should be a new concept in the parenting industry. Oh, uh, you, know, you lost me with that great word. great idea. You lost me with that word, industry. Well, industry is my word. Because what is this? You go and you buy sperm to make a kid. Yeah. It's very weird. <laughs> I don't even know. Very weird that we're at this point in humanity. If I can form an opinion Where you can't anything. just, like, help a lady friend conceive, man. Right. Like, uh, it should be at least highly encouraged. I... Don't fucking like legislation of anything, but or as a lady, like it find should be a maybe man. socially encouraged to donate in person or something. Yeah, yeah. If you wouldn't have sex with them, why would you make a child with them? Correct. Yeah, I yeah. know. There's some kind of an intimate, hopefully, thing about that. More than a website to find the rest of them while you beat off in a cup. <laughs> hopefully, come on, sir. But here we are. So this, uh, there is a nonprofit organization called Stitching Donor Kind, and they're advocates for parents who have donated sperm to make their children. And they also are arguing that this mass donation could be psychologically damaging for the mothers who now feel they were part of this man's strange social experiment. Or, dare I say, 
kink. Oh, we bought jizz from a guy who nutted in a cup, and it turns out he's a weirdo. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Shocking. Holy shit. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ladies, just find a, a good man friend to help you conceive. She's not my uh, special lady. She's just my lady friend. Come on. Ugh. That's freaky. To freaky. me. Yeah. Definitely weird. But hey, sometimes things get weird. What can we do about it? Laugh. Just have a little laugh, that's all. Hope you're having an excellent night out there, or day out there, or week out there. Or life out there. No uh, Bulls with Bud scheduled this weekend, because... Your boy's got to be in a wedding. But you can bet your sweet ass we'll be back at it next Tuesday night. When the time is right. Usually around 9 centrals when we take over from the boys over at DH Unplugged. On the No Agenda stream. Till then, you can rest assured I will be Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. And I will always be the delicious Dame DeLorean. Till next time, bowlers. May your bowls burn ever brighter. I want my weed. I've earned the right to smoke weed. If you're into baking, it's kind of passion. Not if you were stoned at the time. That's a side effect of the marijuana poisoning. Yeah, dude, you were here smoking pot with me. Honey, you read. Sparking up a J. Lighting up a J. Smoke one up. Wow, I am really high. Smoke weed every day. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake. They had a great goddamn time. You were feeling that shit. In the bowl. Bowl after bowl.com. Bowl after bowl.com. 